This is Brian Peckford. This is Julie Panessi. This is Zuby. Hi, it's James Top. This is Cabby Richards. Hey, everybody, this is Paul Brandt, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, folks. Happy Wednesday, hump day. Hope everybody's week is cruising along. We got a, we got a good one on tap for you here. I've been on Nick's podcast uh, multiple times here over the, the last couple of years, and it was it was overdue. It's overdue to have him on this side of things. So before we get to me and Nick uh, sitting down and having a chat, let's get on to today's episode sponsors, Blaine and Joey Steffen, Guardian Plumbing and Heating. They are the 2021 Lloydminster Chamber of Commerce Business of the Year. They got a team of over 30 who thrive on solving your problems and offering the best possible solutions uh, with a 24-hour emergency service available. And they also have developed and manufactured the world's most efficient grain dryer right here in Lloydminster for all you farmers out there. Uh, You can schedule your next appointment anytime. All you got to do is go to guardianplumbing.ca. Everything's online, nice and simple. The Deer and Steer Butchery, the old Norman and Kathy James family-built butcher shop on the north side of Highway 16 and Range Road 25. Uh, You know, back in 1995, it was used by the local hunters uh, around the area for cutting and wrapping. Well, fast forward, it's now been given a facelift. It's got, uh, they got a seasoned pro doing the the meat cutting with over 20 plus years of meat cutting experience, Barry. Uh, And they offer something that I got to experience, and you've heard me talk about it a lot, is uh, they offer the opportunity to go in and cut the meat with Barry and see how it's done firsthand, get your hands, uh, you know, on the finished product, so to speak or help create the finished product and I can certainly tell you when you are uh, firing up the barbie it uh, it tastes pretty pretty dang good knowing uh, your hands have played a part uh, now Gartner uh, if you want to book uh, I'm hopping the hopping the script here folks if you want to book uh, in with the deer and steer give them a call 780-870-8700 now Gartner Management uh, they're a Lloyd Mr. Base company specializing in all types of rental properties to help meet your needs uh, whether you're looking for a small office such as myself or you got multiple employees hey just give Wade Gartner a call today 780-808-5025 now let's get on to that tale of the tape brought to you by Hancock Petroleum for the past 80 years they've been an industry leader in bulk fuels lubricants methanol and chemicals delivering to your farm, commercial, or oil field locations. For more information, visit them at HancockPetroleum.ca. He's host of the Vaughn Dubcast and now amateur stand-up comedian. I'm talking about Nick Von Walkerbarth. So buckle up. Here we go. This is Nick Von Walkerbarth, and you're listening to the Sean Newman Podcast. Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nick Von Walkerbarth. I hope I said that right. Nailed it. Hey, you nailed I, it. Yeah, I, I'm a little better than the guys who opened for you at the comedy show. Yeah, you sure are. You sure are. It's a low bar, but... Hey, well, welcome uh, welcome to Mikasa. Well, I've been looking forward to this all week. This is just the highlight of my week here, you know? <laughs> I get, a, get to come on the big dog show in the studio like this. It's beautiful, man. This is awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, you making the trip this way. You were out with Kenny getting beat up in uh, in the old fight mm-hmm, farm. Mm-hmm. And I loved every second of it. Yeah, no, they, they run an awesome uh, awesome little show down there. I loved it. Now, is that something you mentioned you, you miss it? Is that something you do all the time? Like uh, 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 jujitsu? Sorry? So I've always, I love MMA. I've just... Since I was a kid, love watching it. My parents, you know, my mom cannot even physically be in a room when it's on. She hates it. So I kind of had to watch it under the under the table, you know, and I'd watch it when I could. And then when I graduated university, I just got really far into it. And I always, you know, listened to a lot of podcasts. And so many people in the podcast world are kind of tied to that jiu-jitsu world just through Joe Rogan and that whole kind of arm. 
And then I always wanted to try it, but I was a chicken shit. And I always had an excuse, this excuse, that. So right before COVID hit, I tried it, went for a couple classes. And then I went on a trip and came back and then COVID hit and I never went back. So then October this year, when I went full time with the podcast, that was one of the things I'm saying, well, if I have the time now, there's no excuses that I went in kind of went dove into it full hog in grand prairie and absolutely loved it it was one of the funnest things i've ever done the workout is unbelievable the exercise you get from it like i'd run 10 kilometers every day i'm in half decent shape i eat like an animal so it's it it balances out a little bit but you know i thought i was in pretty good cardio shape and then i go there for you know you do a, a five minute roll with a guy and you are soaked in sweat out of breath like and oh it was it was so great i loved it and so i did that for months and months and then when I moved back to Edmonton I haven't been able to find I haven't really tried that many gyms but just haven't found the same feel and camaraderie that we had I think it was such a high bar with that champion gym in Grand Prairie they run such a good operation that I never really found it again I I struggling to find that love but just going in there today it was exactly what I was looking for and it was exactly what I missed and it's the you know cracking jokes and everybody there for a good time nobody going too hard nobody you know but still you get a good workout and you get you know some good rolls in it was awesome it was exactly what I was missing yeah, jujitsu is. Uh, I've only ever, you know, I I, I did it at Fight yeah, Farm they, for they like. All, they all sent a message back to you that I probably should say off the air. <laughs> yeah, I think you can imagine what they had to say. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> I, I I think I did it for probably I don't know. Now I'm curious. What are they, big pussy or what? No, they just like come back. What are you doing? Come on, you're you're great when you're there. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a few of those p words were thrown around. I would I would imagine my memory gets a little foggy after a few beers, but we'll see. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I I enjoyed it. It's funny when I was I was I was talking to Garrett there. Uh, I forget what that was two three months ago. Anyways, mm-hmm. it was like it was like literally when I first started talking uh, did the podcast. So yeah. the podcast has been going three years. Literally in the first episode, Ken and me are talking about jujitsu because yeah. we just started going. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I I, uh, I probably put too many excuses in front of it too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember we were going at it like 6 a.m., I think, or before work. Yeah. It just it just got too much. I was up too late, up too early, trying mm-hmm. to do too many things. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, you start Life to burn. Well, you start to burn out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but the burnout thing at times, like... I don't know how I I don't know you full time podcasting full time podcasting mm-hmm. and I'm like right now I'm like how did I get back to like almost burning out I'm yeah. like how the hell is that even possible mm-hmm. I had like a little lapse where it was kind of nice and you kind of put your feet up on the table and it was yeah. like whoo kind of enjoy this mm-hmm. and then after a week or two of that I was like okay Sean you're getting you're getting complacent yeah we better start pushing the the, the old envelope and mm-hmm. then you start pushing the envelope and you're like Jesus I'm right back to where I was working full time and yeah. doing this full time and and another big difference to that too is when you're working full time, you're doing this, this is the, this is the outlet, this is the release you get. It's, it's not the job. It's the, it's the fun time. And when that becomes the job, it's up to you to keep it as something you enjoy, but you risk burning out on it. Right. Mm. And that's a much different way of looking at it. Right. Like that's what I found too of now that this is the main thing. It used to always be the escape where you, you go work a 12 hour day, just get kicked around, but then you hop on a podcast and it all falls away and you're just enjoying it. You're in a conversation, you're locked in. And I loved it. And then now that's the job and every all the all the tedious day-to-day stuff and planning is all goes into this thing that you love and you it's it's now your responsibility to keep it in that right cupboard where it's not slipping into you know feeling like a job and feeling that burnout and that's a different thing that I was a little bit unprepared for I'd be curious to hear your your take on have you felt that at all well I get asked all the time oh how's retirement I'm like <laughs> fuck retirement. right off you know yeah. and I know it's sometimes it's just a tease mm-hmm. sometimes uh, I think people are just, you know, it's their easiest way of saying congratulations mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but usually I get asked, you know, like how much fun is it? And I'm like, and I get tongue tied. I'm like, ah, uh, uh, I got to think about it. Cause there's a lot of stress now that comes with the one thing that used to give you, like you say, you know, yeah. but, um, it's been different. It's a ton of fun. Don't For get sure. me, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Do I love doing this? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like that hasn't changed. There's just more components to it now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you bring up, uh, an outlet and doing it for fun and things. One of the things about the UFC, you know, you listen and watch a ton of UFC. Tons. Do they ever ask that question to the fighters? About burnout? Yeah, about how they have something, because lots of those guys, think Tanner Bowser, mm-hmm. working full time and training on the side, then he wins a couple fights and all of a sudden he's doing it full time. Yeah. Do they ever ask him that? Like, how do you keep this fun? Because now, like, all the pressure is on you to win and if you don't win, you're going back to your old job. Yeah. And the amazing thing about MMA and the media that's around it is that everything gets asked. There's the thing about becoming a fan of MMA like I have and being such a big sports fan, you know, I love the NHL, I love the NFL, I love all that stuff. You get so spoiled with MMA and the type of media they have. And someone explained to me this to me the other day and it made a lot of sense. It's a lot, also a lot different because it's not a team dynamic. It's it's you and you're trying to tell your own story and it's up to you how much you want to give or not give. But the media is very tied into that. So you definitely hear that, Sean. You hear it all the time of there'll be guys where you'll notice their performance draws for it and they maybe lose a couple fights and then they really turn around. They ask them, they said, I just got burnt out. I lost the love of it. I had to go away for a while. I had to find that love of it again. Some guys need to change gyms. Some guys need to go back to their team that they started with. There's so much that goes into it, but that is a huge, huge piece of their success is whether or not they are enjoying it and they have that passion, that love, because you can see when that goes away, the performance goes right with it. And that is a huge component. And so many of these guys now bring on mental coaches and psychologists to work with that and to make sure that their mindset is in the right place because your your mind's not right. And you go into a hockey game, you got 81 more games, right? Regular season. You go in for a fight where you might get two fights a year to make all your money. And if your mind's not in the right spot, now you lost half your cash from that night and now you don't get another opportunity to go make money for your family for two, three, six months. Some guys sit on the shelf for a year, right? Like that is a very very different dynamic than most sports well and and most people love a game don't love the train right Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe i'm maybe i'm the odd one on there i I assume i would rather play 82 hockey games even though 82 is a lot Mm -hmm. and not have you know 365 of practice right to get prepped for two games you know Mm -hmm. so that's another interesting thing about ufc fighters right like to keep yourself motivated to train 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 even though you know you need to Mm -hmm. Um, that in itself, you know, it's, it's, it's a very good, interesting point because I think for myself, I hit a point, I had Jason Greger on, was it before or after I came on your show? It was right in that time mm-hmm. frame, And, uh, it kind of reminded me of when COVID was going on. I wasn't talking about COVID. You no, know? mm-hmm. I, I bring this up lots. Like I wasn't the guy who was sounding the alarm bells. Mm-hmm. I never was. I was the guy that didn't talk about mm-hmm. it and talk about it mm-hmm. and finally it just was like a dam broke and i wouldn't stop talking yeah. about it but in doing that i kind of forgot about what you know different parts of this that make you make it a ton of fun the oilers are in the playoffs i yeah. want to talk some oilers yeah so i think it was after mining your conversation mm-hmm. i'm like fuck it i'm gonna email jason Greger. i'm gonna email darren drager yeah. uh jason Greger and darren drager yes yeah. i know who you meant <laughs> tongue-tied here <laughs> and uh just doing those simple little things and reminding yourself that like, oh, we can have a little bit of fun here. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to all be about exploding your brain on information and like, and when you start do, doing those, mm-hmm. those little side projects, mm-hmm. man, that's, that'll, that'll stoke the fire. I'm yeah. sure you can agree with that. That, that, that Oilers podcast that me and my best friend started has been one of the most fun things we've ever done, right? Like 
the guy's fucking hard to wrangle. He's like a cat, right? He's, he's so busy in the summers. He's running the golf course, right? He's so hard to get sit down. And that is a little bit hard on the head. But when we sit down and me and him start going, it is the most pure fun, like just enjoying it, making fun of each other, laughing. Like it is just, it's exactly what I envision the podcast becoming once I reach that level of comfortability where I can have that with anybody. Right. But it's my best friend. And we just have such camaraderie and so much inside stories that it just from day one and it's just gotten better and better. Right. And like it, it's not going gangbusters. It's not like, you know, a thousand people an episode or listen to it or 10,000. But I have such confidence in that it's such good quality. Like if, if anybody stumbled upon it, there's no way they wouldn't enjoy it. And that is a really fun feeling. And not only is it fun to do in the moment, but also just like the the release you get out of like I just I can't even put to words how much enjoyment that has brought me. Right. And not and I and that is saying something given the level of just podcasting in general and the enjoyment I get out of that, which is already like the I've never enjoyed anything as much as I enjoy this whole podcasting gig. And then to see a whole nother level to that, right? Was really exciting. And to know that going forward, as I get more comfortable, there's there's going to be more and more and we're going to be breaking through levels. I'm sure you've had this moment when you've maybe had a certain guest you've been really ha trying to have on or maybe not even the guest. I think it's more had a conversation you've been really excited to have because, you know, you can have a really great guest with a big name and you can have a mediocre conversation or you can have just someone that you thought might be interesting and they can blow you out of the water. And I find at least for myself, and I'd be curious to uh, get your take on this, that the name of the guest almost doesn't matter. It's the conversation. That's what I feel after. And I know, oh, this one might not get the downloads because they don't have the big name beside them. But if so, the people that do stumble on this, they're really going to get something out of this one. And that fills my cup like nothing else. I think it's a balance. Uh, mm -hmm. I've I've been fortunate enough to have a lot of big names. And, and you busted ass for those big names too. Y yeah. Mm -hmm. And some of them live up to the, like, holy man. Mm -hmm. Some of them are just the big name, yeah. but in general, it's very cool to sit down with all of them. For sure. Kind of, you know, it's kind of like taking the legend out of them and just bringing them down to your level a little bit. You know, yeah. the latest one was Paul Brandt and Paul Brandt was phenomenal. Like it's such a cool guy. Mm -hmm. I can't even be, like he, he blew me out of the water. Yeah. How just like how just chill he was and how open he was to talking about things. How recent was that? Has someone released yet? I, I don't know if I listened to that one yet. Well, we're, we're not breaking timelines here, but okay, it, it's, okay. it's coming out here shortly. Awesome. So by the time people listen to this, it'll, yes, be, up. it'll be up. Beautiful. Yeah. Can I ask you questions about it? Because, I mean, oh, people, yeah, sure. I guess it'll be out at this point. Like, where do I even start? Because like Paul Brown is such an interesting guy to me. And I'm just, as soon as I hear you say that, I'm thinking, what would I ask him about? I know, you know, did it, did you at any point come up uh, something I know he's very passionate about, like child trafficking and stuff? We talked like, about the, not in my you? city for yeah. probably the last half. Yeah. Because that's why I wanted him on. Is I, that what you, okay. I, I stumbled on that and I was like, well, actually, it, it came from Theo Fleury. I interviewed Theo right. Fleury and he brings up, you know, Theo can be pretty brash mm -hmm. and say some pretty spectacular things. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. But he says he's talking about child trafficking mm -hmm. and how it happened, you know, our politicians and he goes off on my, yeah. and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And he goes, you got to go listen to me and Paul Brandt. And I'm yeah. like, what? And so I went and listened to him, Paul Brandt, and I was kind of like dumbfounded, yeah. right? Like, how the hell did I know about this, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like, not in my city, it was two years ago. It's been here five years now in Calgary. Yeah. And so, yeah, that was the main reason. But like, I don't know, like that was part of it. It was just like how chill he was. Yeah. And, like, here's Paul Brandt. And I know... 
Paul Brandt isn't, I was just having this conversation. Paul Brandt isn't as, uh, and I mean, of course, she's a woman, but she, he isn't as sexy as like Shania Twain. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean that as like flamboyant. And mm-hmm. I don't even mean Shania Twain's that flamboyant, but she mm-hmm. does have that aspect. Paul Brandt is Paul Brandt. He's yeah. a good old country kid yeah. who, you know, one of the things I got talking about was at 25, he, uh, you know, pretty much walks away from his his label. He doesn't want to be that Nashville country mm-hmm. pop star. Oh. And you're like, I really respect that. Yeah. Like, I can't even get over how much I respect that. Mm-hmm. So that's what you get in the end room. Yeah. Like, here's this guy who's, mm-hmm. I don't know, kind of larger than life a little bit. For sure. At least, you know, especially in Alberta. He, you know, probably tough for him to walk down the street. You know, maybe go walk down the street in Nashville and it's a different story. But, you know... If, if you walk down the streets of Lloyd Minster, Slave Lake, you, you can tell he's he's not well, your regular Joe. Well, well, a shout out to I don't know if Mike and Jim will listen to this, but our uh, the 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 couple that watch our kids day home, mm-hmm. they heard that he was coming on, and they're like, "Well, you better come in and sit down and have a coffee after his son." Yeah, oh wow, sure, yeah. yeah. And they were just like tickled pink, and mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. that literally, right? Yeah. That you would. How was he? Oh, it was fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, that. That's pretty cool because that's what he's, he's endeared himself yeah. to Albertans, Saskatchewan, for sure. Western Canada, probably yeah. Canada for matter of fact. For sure. But for sure. Anyways. And uh, you talk about that decision to walk away from label and the freedom that it gets and that comes through in his music and in interviews like, like you did, like it comes through in all these different ways, but a way it came through, at least for specifically for me was in 2011 when Slave Lake had the big fire and every, you know, half the town burnt down. He was one of those guys that stuck his hand up right away, did a benefit concert in the city, and then uh, came well, to humbled. Slave Lake. Humbled, humbled he was the again. same way, yeah, right? Exactly, and that's that freedom that it buys him. And to know, you still, know, he, still makes my hair stand up. Yeah, oh, that's weird. Me too, right? And just even before you think, I was just thinking of like what he means and what he means to the communities. And he might have not thought about it in that moment when he was making that decision to walk away of what that was going to give him. But like at some level, he must have realized, you know, where his value system lies and what that was going to be, make him able to do in the future. And to take all that risk at that point so that he could pay it forward in those ways, like Humboldt, like after the fire and that, and for him to be that guy, it just adds so many more layers to the impressiveness of that decision to have that type of foresight to be the person he wants to be. And you see so many of these amazing artists have this amazing success and they really struggle because they had to sell out their value system to take on a labels. Well, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, that's I feel like that's why I got along so well with Paul. Mm. It's like one of those interviews where you come out of it and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, I come out of every interview like that, but yeah. like, this was like a little bit on steroids. Mm-hmm. I could just imagine if it had been in person. And hopefully... Uh, that's uh, what it leads to. You know, me and him have already talked about it, right? Like, uh, I think at some point there will be a second one, and I think the second one will be in person. Awesome. But let's not fast forward yeah, too far. Yeah. I mean, knock on wood. Knock on wood. That's right. But part of the interview, we talk about a book uh, that changed his life or, you know, really guided him. And it was Halftime by Bob Buford, I think is mm. what it is. I'm reading it right now, yeah. actually. And it's all about exactly defining uh, the principles in which you guide every choice by, right? Mm. And he, he gets talking about, um, you know, like we put it through this kind of like decision, decision making matrix. Mm-hmm. Framework, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm uh, paraphrasing. Paul does a way better job explaining <laughs> it. But essentially, yeah, it's going to make us a million dollars, but it doesn't fit into what we believe or what our life mm-hmm. is. We don't do it. Or it does do it. And then you carry on. And 
for me, that's how I've operated this podcast, right? I have a different decision-making matrix than yeah. Paul, but very much that really aligns with my brain. Like, that's mm -hmm. exactly where I'm at, right? And you watch uh, young... I remember them talking about... Uh, and, and I don't know if this is exactly true. I should dig deeper into this, but who's the guy from Breaking Bad, the old guy? Oh, uh, Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston, they said... Uh, I heard this story now. Maybe it's not true, but mm -hmm. I think the underlying message makes yeah. a lot of sense. They talk about Brian Cranston uh, getting famous at an older age and being able to handle it. Mm -hmm. And he and he just kept his life out of the limelight. Yeah. And so many young pop stars, movie stars get famous at a really young age, don't know how to handle it. Heck, we see it in the NHL with hockey players. Mm -hmm. And then they, they just kind of go a little bit off the deep end yeah. and don't know how to handle all the pressure that comes with the limelight. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you look at like, well, and I can bring it back to Paul Brandt, right? It's pretty cool to see young guys be able to do that. That's yeah. a special quality. For sure. Mm -hmm. And I think evolutionarily, we were never built for that type of thing. You know, we, we were just, you know, supposed to be in these small tribes of people where you only know so many and your notoriety can only grow so far unless you're a Genghis, Genghis Khan or, a, or an Alexander the Great, which are very specific people that have so many... There's so many accountability systems built in just because the world is so hard. If you want to achieve things, you're going to have to really work for them. And life has constantly changed that. And the advent of the internet makes it so different where you can go viral overnight where now you can have success that isn't tied to, it's always going to be tied to hard work. Success is always inseparable from, from hard work. But that relationship has changed where it used to be there was almost no way you will ever get something undeservedly. Where now we live in a world where almost by default, you get things undeservedly, which is amazing. And that's just society and that's moving forward, right? It's like weird. Kids. But it is weird. And we have like our, we still have the same bodies and the same minds that evolutionarily we're not built for that. And we're still catch, we're playing catch up, right? And you see that it takes the very, there's very few people that can take that and handle undeserved. Not undeserved is maybe a tough word to use that, but you know, I don't know because you can literally get 10 million views on a YouTube and be like Insta famous kind of. But yeah. not really, because what yeah. are you really doing? And then what happens from that? What do you do with it? And what, what it, you know, this is something they talk about in comedy all the time. And I'm a huge comedy guy. You know, if, if I'm, if the biggest thing I'm a nerd in is MMA, you know, the only thing that might be more than that is, is stand-up. But they always talk about this. All these guys, all the famous guys, you know, all have like a moment, right? Um, you pick Bill Burr. He had that Philadelphia um, set where, you know, they're all heckling him. And he just goes off in Philadelphia and that kind of blew him up. You have Joe Rogan, the whole uh, Carlos Mencia thing. You pick, you know, everybody kind of has their moment. And what people don't talk about is all the work they put in before that and all the content they had. So now people hear Bill Burr go on this round. They go, who's this Bill Burr guy? And wow. he has this huge back catalog of work for people to go to. And then you have these people that have that's some viral moment. That's what we're doing right now. Elliot, I think it's, I think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's sports. Elliot Friedman. He, he's yeah. not, he's not this giant hockey. He isn't uh, Kevin Biaxa, right? Mm -hmm. Who played in the NHL and then walks on. Yeah. He's a guy, if you look at his track record, he worked for it. Yeah. And now he's one of the... He's a smart guy, mm -hmm. but it wasn't overnight success. Although people who just tune in might think that, mm -hmm. but it's not even remotely true. No, tell that to him when he's shooting pucks for hours at seven years old, probably right. Like, like, and you never know how far back it goes. But the interesting thing I love about looking at this from the comedy viewpoint is, you're right. It is you can have ten thousand or ten million views overnight, and you have that overnight success. And you see that happen to people where they have, you know, one of their one of their bits, or they have some crazy bit of crowd work that kind of catches fire and it really tears through Instagram or reels or TikTok, whatever it is. And 
okay, well, where's my success now? It didn't come to me. What? I thought that was the formula. I just had to go viral. But they don't see that everything they've done until that point was to try and go viral. And that catalog they built up was with that as their operating ethos. And you have guys like Bill Burr that just wanted to be the best comedian and just so happened to have something from that culmination. And your 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 why is so important, right? Like, I, I feel like I haven't talked about this a lot on my podcast lately, but I feel like the first... 50 to 100 episodes every guest i had we'd always talk about the why and why are you doing things and how important that is and i have i don't know why i just maybe move pot move past that as a as a concept so, was, so why are you doing the podcast where do i start like there's there's the why of i've never enjoyed anything this much like i've never gotten i've never felt something like this of the from the moment i first did the first one it was oh you know i enjoy a lot of things in life i'm you know, a very multifaceted guy. I have my nerd stuff. I have my, you know, athletic stuff that I get a lot of enjoyment. I've never enjoyed something like that first moment. I knew from the second that, that I hit stop on that recording, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. That is probably the biggest why. And what operates is just the, the pure enjoyment I get out of it. And then just like curiosity. And I've always been that curious guy. I've always wanted to know more and more and more. And, you know, that's probably why I struggled so much in school because, you know, I was never the guy just to sit back and take them. Well, why, why is that? You know, and I, go head to head with a lot of teachers and, you know, create a lot of, uh, you know, maybe things that weren't so easy for them to handle at that time. Um, but what better way to soothe that curiosity than a podcast? There almost isn't one, you know, like, um, to, to be able to build a platform one day where people that mean something to you and that you see value in and to be able to help them. That is a huge why to me, right. Of, so many times I'll ask someone if they want to come on the podcast and I'll say, well, what do, what do I have to show? And it's like, well, I see something in you and I want to bring that to the world. And it, you'd be doing me a favor by allowing me to show what I see because sometimes they don't even see it. And that means a lot to me as well. You know, like they might not have the, the, the huge name or the thing behind them, but they have something that the world needs. And sometimes that's just kindness. Like I've had a few of my, but like my buddy Fraser Oliver, one of my best friends in the world, you know, I have him on the podcast. Like, what do you want me on? And like, we're good buds and we're just going to have a fun time. It's going to be funny and it's going to be enjoyable. But like if I can show the world just a small piece of just what a genuine human is like that just would give the shirt off his back would do anything for anyone is always there for a shoulder or whatever you need. That's hard to quantify, but with a podcast for, if you have long enough in front of someone, you can bring a little bit of piece of that and to show that with the world. Perfect example. I probably should use Kenny Rutherford, you know, like, Trying to explain to people what makes Kenny special is tough because it's it's so much and it's you could probably boil it down to one or two things, but it's so multifaceted and it's just it's it's a big combination of you know intelligence and compassion and all these different things. It's really hard to kind of you know like if you ask him, you know, I, I know you struggled to get him on the podcast for the fir- for the first while he didn't want to come on, right? And his, but you probably saw in him and and knew you could do a job to bring that to the world, right? And and that really orients me a lot of the time and, and trying to keep that as the forefront, like not concentrating on views or downloads or anything of just, am I bringing things that are important to me out to the world, out to my little tiny eensy slice of the world that I've captured and I'm trying to grow? Am I making it worth it to them? Am I making, am I making people better off by the things that I'm bringing to the world? Am I making the world a better place, which sounds so cheesy and like so ridiculous, but, it, but it's not at the end of the day. And it's, you know, it's only cheesy if you think it's cheesy. If it actually means something that's genuine, it's not cheesy at all, right? What do you think? What can I flip the flip the question back on you? Always. Why why do you do this podcast? 
Um, I loved playing hockey. Mm-hmm. There was nothing quite like strapping up the skates, yeah. the rush, mm-hmm. the nerves, everything yeah. that came with yeah. it. Even playing a uh, little old senior in Hillmont, Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. there was once you hit playoffs and everything else, it meant just as much as what the what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs, yeah. you know. Um, and I never thought I'd find that feeling again, mm-hmm. honestly. Uh, and then um, probably in the first ten podcasts. I got nerves before them all. Mm-hmm. And then certainly when I had Corey Cross, I think, come to the studio for the first time. I think he was my first, like, and I love Corey. Yeah. So, Corey, if you're listening to this, I mean this in no detriment to you. Yeah. But of of the people I've had on, Corey Cross isn't Wayne Gretzky, right? He's he's Corey Cross. Yeah. He played an NHL career, mm-hmm. but now he's a, he's a beauty of a human being yeah. is what he is, yeah. right? with some really cool stories and he's mm-hmm. really open about it. But I remember him not knowing who the hell I was. Yeah. And like the nerves that came from like trying to convince him, I was okay. And the fun of doing that. And by the end, he's like, I can't wait for the next one. Right. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like we're on to something here. Right. Mm-hmm. I've only ever had two older men in the archives, not enjoy themselves thoroughly to where they're like, I'm doing this again. Like yeah. this was a ton of fun. Yeah. It's, 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 Anyways, I'm 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 off track here. So uh, w- that feeling I get walking in here tonight. I'm like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder where this is gonna go. You know, like I have no idea. Yeah. It's an adventure every single mm-hmm. time. I have a little bit of an idea. Yeah. But until you get in, you have no idea. So <clears throat> one is that feeling. That feeling is special. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it comes from doing this. Yeah. But it also came from playing hockey. I get the same feeling. Like, I never thought I would feel the same thing. It is identical. Mm. And um, so right away, that is, like, I live for that. Like, yeah. th- that gives meaning to life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, some of the things I've done over the last, certainly, year have been, in one side, life-saving, and then on the opposite side, so controversial, and you're fucking crazy, and whatever else, right? Lost mm-hmm. Listeners, friends. Yeah. I, I shouldn't say even friends. I've, I've lost a lot of, like you can see the audience change, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that gave a lot of hope in a tough time. And I never yeah. thought this would ever be that, ever. Like I, I just, I really wanted to pass along messages of like, this is what it means to achieve your dreams. You have to work hard. You yeah. have to be a good human being. You have to go after it. You have to, you know, whatever time you have, attack like you're trying to save the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I want. That's what I wanted to spread, and I did achieve some of that, right? Like mm-hmm. we did the the live stream, <clears throat> and raised a bunch of money. Yeah. And from that, it brought in uh, Mikey Dubs, and he came and ran for 12 hours and broke like a personal record of his. Ran 124k in 12 hours, and we raised. $325,000, I think, that year. And Whoa. from that, Sam Saeed, who he he was a guy who works for the city here in Lloyd. And um, this is kind of what I was saying to you. You you want to you want people to come after you, do things that matter. Mm-hmm. And what did Sam do? He joined the the long, world's longest hockey game in Edmonton. And mm-hmm. he'd never done anything like that. And I'm paraphrasing for you, Sammy, if you're listening. But he went and did that. And then I had him on the podcast to talk about it. And he talked about how he got inspired by what he was seeing happen. And mm-hmm. I never thought this would turn into that. So somehow me and Mike got working together because of what we done there. Sam does what he does. And then I created Bike for Breakfast. 
Um, and we biked to Tufnell. That all came from like feeding off of each other. Yeah. And all of a sudden you got this good, good like feeling wheel going mm-hmm. of everybody like seeing everybody trying to one up each other in yeah. a very good way yeah. for your community and who benefits the community. Like yeah. I was like, this is really cool. So those are a lot of different reasons of why right. this is so special. And that's kind of what the, at least for myself and where my jumping in point on podcasts were, that was kind of that, that ethos, that animating, whatever it is, that kind of was everything that podcasts were at that point was everyone trying to one up each other in a really good way and spread positivity and, and, and help people out and want to do one better than everyone else. Right. And that's really what drew me to it as well. And something you were saying there that probably is all those whys I gave, it might be even better than that, or it might be even higher on the, on the totem pole of where I ranked them is why I do it. A big piece of it is the messages you get from people. They listen to an episode and they reach out and they say the nicest things. I'll write a little paragraph like, hey, that really meant something to me. And that like, I've, you know, I've, I've always felt that and I've never felt confident to ever talk to anybody about it. And to hear you be so open and, and you know, talking about depression or, or anxiety or imposter syndrome, you really help people. And it's not like you're, that's not something that is, you know, every, I know I'm going to release this podcast and I'm going to get a message, right? Like it's so it's, it's like that lottery where you never know when you it's coming. You can't predict it. You can't predict it. You never know when it's coming. You can go a couple months where you don't hear nothing from no one. It feels like you're just speaking out into a void because, you know, it's not like a live show where you get the feedback when you're actually, you put a podcast out and you see like the downloads go up, but you don't really know much about how people are receiving. And then every once in a while, and as funny as it is, and you can label this whatever you want, but at times it's exactly when you need it. When you're ever second guessing yourself or you're down or you're, you, you know, like every once in a while, I just find myself and maybe you found it differently, but right when I need that message, somebody comes across and just says the nicest thing to me in the moment that so I need So what is it. that? What is that, Sean? I have, I have all kinds of things I, you know, that, that, that I would call that, but you know, like it gets, uh, so what do you it's going to get us down some rabbit holes, you know? So what do you call that? <sighs> For 220 some episodes, I chased that answer. Yeah. Quietly. Quietly. Right. And I mean, last, the last episode you did on, on my, my podcast, we got into this, you know, we, we went yes. down this rabbit hole pretty yes, good and right. And I, I, uh, I have a lot of words for it. And to me, they, they all mean the same thing. And I usually have this wheel of like whoever's in front of me, whoever I'm talking to, I'm going to pull the word that I think they're going to go with. Cause you say God to some people and their eyes glaze over or they, 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 they turn their back and they don't want to hear about it. You, you say spirit to somebody that will do the same thing. And it's all the same, all is this exact same concept, all the same, you know, the universe, right? Like you can, you, I have a, I have probably 10 to 15 different names I use for exactly what you're trying to get me to put a label on. And it just depends who's in front of me because to me, <laughs> I the, like labels, squirm. the labels don't matter to me, right? Like it all means the same thing and I know what it means, right? It's true to you and it's going to be, everyone else is going to have their own word for it. And when you describe it good enough, people pick up on it and they know what that, and they'll, and you can ask people, well, what's your word for that, right? It's, like It's maybe one of the most interesting, Glenn Sather uh, pretty much put a nail in it for me. Mm. <clears throat> if you, if people go back to episode 200, I had Glenn Sather on, right? And he's talking about drive, how he met his wife. Mm-hmm. He's driving on a freeway in New York, New York City, somewhere in there. Yeah. And there's this woman stranded on the side of the highway fixing a flat tire or whatever. So he pulls over to help. Now, I assume she was good looking because it's Glenn Freakin' Sather, but yeah. it, does it really matter? No. He's still married to this woman. Mm-hmm. And I go, what? I said, what is that, Glenn? He goes, what do you mean? I'm like... I mean, of all the things, right? Like, of all the bars you walk into, mm-hmm. right? You walk into mine. 
Like you're driving on the highway and you see a girl and you pull over and help and that becomes your wife. Like what are the odds? Yeah. And he's like, some things you just don't need to understand. And I'm like, hmm, that's an interesting, you know? Because I, I, I always tell the story, and I think I probably told it then. I'll, I'll tell it quickly now. When I went to college and met my wife, I didn't want to go there. And I was leaving, and I got caught in a snowstorm. And the snowstorm, and I was like, nah, I can make it. Like, So I literally uh, had to fuel up with gas. And as I'm fueling up with gas, two ambulances go screaming down, you know, like, just put yourself in a terrible snowstorm on single-lane highway uh, for an hour straight, maybe an hour and 10 minutes straight. And I was heading back to my old uh, roommate's uh, uh, place in, in Duluth, Minnesota. And two ambulances go by. I'm like, ah, maybe I should stay. Mm-hmm. And then I went and had a great night. Never met her that night, but I went and had a great night and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it pulled me to Northland. And in the first day, who's the first person I see but her? Mm-hmm. Now, once again, it wasn't love at first sight. That's not what I mean. But it's just like, that was a really pivotal moment. I could have got on the road an hour sooner and there was no snowstorm and you're gone and you never yeah. come back. Yeah. Instead, you know, timing and whatever. And, mm-hmm. and you just, and the thing is, so many people have those stories. Brian Burke's another one. Yeah. Reason he falls in love with the with the game of hockey is he gets trapped in a snowstorm in, I want to say Minnesota. I think is where it was, and somehow it just leads him to the game of hockey. Well, look at the fucking career that man's yeah. had, right? Yeah. And you go like, here it is, over and over and over again. And if you just look at it, it's simple to see for everyone. And you're right, everybody has their word for it. Yeah. And w- another reason I always hesitate to put a word on it is my concept of it is that it is the thing that is nameless. It is the, it's the thing beyond our understanding as humans. We're amazing at understanding things more and more. And we use the scientific method, but there's always a way. And the funniest thing that I love is, you know, my favorite podcaster of all time, Lex Friedman, you know, like he has on all these absolute top of the heap peak physicists and, and every, every scientific venture you could, he brings on the, the, the top of the heap. And you would think that'd be a place where exactly what we're talking about this, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to name it is very far from it because these are the men of science. And that's what people kind of understand. I think a lot of people that don't fully understand science see this as two completely separate boxes that do not bump up against each other. And then you see people that understand the world in at least their domain as best as you probably could. The most of any human that has ever lived, they understand it the most and they almost to a T have their own word for it and see that thing that is ununderstandable, it's ineffable, right? And that is God or the universe or the spirituality or that weird thing that connects us all, right? They see it more clearly than almost everybody else. And I find that so funny that so much of the world these days has kind of written off that whole thing as a concept and just know we are science, we follow science and stuff. It's like, well, talk to the people that are at the cutting edge of science and ask them what they think of that because you might be surprised by what you hear. And being hesitant to put a word on it because you're, you're doing a disservice to the thing itself by trying to put a word up because you're just limiting it. It's this limitless thing that we'll never be able to find a word for. And we're just trying our best to slap labels on, which is what humans do, right? That's, you know, our, that's, what's got us this far, but there's a certain point where we just, we, we never have. And for my money, I don't think we ever will. And I think that's kind of the point. There's always got to be something that animates us. That's beyond us. And that's what keeps us pushing forward. That's what keeps us surging. If we, Tomorrow, you know, the certain super collider finds some, you know, 
finds God. God's just, you know, they, they send the right particles around and just poof, a guy with a beard sitting there. Oh, shit. How'd you, how'd you, how do, did that? you do that? You know, oh, I'm here and I can answer all the questions. We had it all figured out. And now there's no more. What would we do? You know, if we had it all figured out, there, there'd be no drive. We wouldn't be shooting shit into space. We we'd be there. We Okay, we, we solved it. And that's why I think we never will, because there always has to be something that animates us and pushes us forward as a species, as humanity. And there's always that thing. And yeah, it's really hard to put a name on it, but that's really what's animating us all. You know, and that's a very religious thing to say, but you can come at that from, you can get to that place of understanding without even getting, coming anywhere close to religion, which is fascinating to me and what really took me a long time to understand because I was, I hated religion growing up. I hated not being able to ask questions and I got so in this place of pushing it away that I never even let it look at it. And then I went all the way full circle and got back to these very religious understandings without going through that door of religion once and being like, oh, I get what these people are talking. It all kind of makes sense to me now. The things that we're trying to, you know, teach us at the most basic level of, of those stories of what they're passing on. That is what they're saying. And you don't need to go down like, yeah, for thousands of years without science and without all these things, that was their best way of getting to it was these stories that were passed on and they, and they served a purpose. And now we have better, more scientific stories, but they all get to the same place. And, you know, you can read the Quran, you can read the Bible, you can read whatever, whatever else you want. And if you really boil it down to the, to the baseline of what they're, the message they're trying to say, it's all the same thing, which fascinates me to no end and exhilarates me. You know, that, that's exciting. And I feel like for people that are like me a couple of years ago that are so closed off to that, that they won't even entertain the concept. They're blocked off to some, almost the biggest beauty in the whole world, like the most amazing thing. They're completely closed off to it and it could be right in front of them, but they'll just refuse to see it. I don't know. Something I think about a lot. What do you, um, I think it was Judy Reeves who stumbled upon it. And I don't even know if I knew what I was doing, mm -hmm. but she, it was very prophetic. She was staring at me and here's this woman who survived uh, the perfect storm mm -hmm. back in the nineties. Mm -hmm. Right. Come very close to death and being out in the middle of hundred foot waves and everything else. She looked at me and she says, what are you looking for? And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just want to talk to some interesting people. She said, no, you're looking for something. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't really acknowledged it. Right. Mm -hmm. And now I think about it a lot. Right. Yeah. I was looking for, um, a little bit of the universe part of it. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. Like, what is that? That is, that is interesting to me mm -hmm. that so many different stories, you bring up the Bible and the Quran and, and different things, but it just in people's stories, mm -hmm. these little beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful, aspects stick out yeah. over and over it's hard every time i hear it i'm like i gotta ask like mm -hmm. what do you think that is because well, it's very interesting mm -hmm. um and so she really pointed out to me what the direction of the podcast was without me really understanding but kind of understanding mm -hmm. i guess where i'm going with this is the von dubcast what is what is what is your like sure it's it's to have people listen and and to grow it into something that uh, you can do full time yeah. and, and to me those seem very surface level answers what yeah. is your drive and where do you want to be like besides success yeah like exactly where i am right now like the success would be nice and that would be icing on top but the base of what i always wanted to do was just to be able to do what i enjoy the most in life like you only get so long in the world and what do i love more than anything else in the world podcasts I listen to them all the time. I, I, I'm obsessed. I'm a full of full blown addict. I listen to probably more podcasts than 99.9999 repeating percent of people. I'm probably, you know, top 100 in the world of people that listen to podcasts. I listen to them on 
two times speed to three times speed and all week, any free time I'm listening to them. And it brings me so much joy, right? And if I could make that where the thing that brings me the most joy I get to also do. And, and I, I just had a feeling. I didn't know if I would, maybe I just really enjoyed you listening what, to him. Maybe you know, I didn't. You know what one of my goals is? What's that? To create content where you want to listen to it at about 1.2. Yeah. Because Jordan Peterson does that to me all the time where I'm, I'm listening to it at, you know, yeah. two or 1.8. Well, mm-hmm. you get the point. Yeah. I'm listening to it fast because I'm, as you listen to more podcasts, mm-hmm. I think this has become a very common thing. Like, sure. listen, I don't got four hours. Exactly. If I just speed it up just smidge, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's almost like taking all the ums and pauses out yeah. and you get a, a nice, and you can start to, it's like you're retraining your brain. Mm-hmm. But Jordan Peterson does it to me over and over again and I'm throwing that name out there again, universe. I would really like him mm-hmm. this year. Anyways, where I have to slow him down because I'm like, I really, really, really need to understand what he's say- saying mm-hmm. right there or that thought. Mm-hmm. It's not a full podcast where you do that, but there yeah. are times where I'm like, what did he just say? Yeah. And you got to rewind. And then mm-hmm. you're like, screw it. I got to throw that down. I got to yeah. really yeah. take that in. Throw so, it down into first and yeah, really dig right. into this. Dig mind. into that. Yeah. That's what I want to do. I mm-hmm. want to, I want to, now, so Joe Rogan can't do that, right? Like lots of Joe isn't, he, lots of what we do. There's like one or two thoughts in an entire podcast mm-hmm. that is the gold. The yeah. rest is just kind of... You're, getting you're, to it. Getting to it. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the line comes and goes, and you're like, did I hear that right? And you go back and you're like, wow, yeah. that is a thought. That's a really cool thought. If you could pull that out for longer, so yahoos like me and you are like, I'm going to go back to the early days where I listened to everything on one speed. Yeah. You know, like those were fun days too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, I think, speaks to what is so special about just long form content, right? Podcasts are, you know, maybe the, the king and the most easily relatable thing like this, but of giving people the time and the freedom to let down their walls and to talk in a certain way. So those things can come out because you're never that gold that you talk about that in a three hour podcast, there might be 10, 15, you know, if you have a good one, maybe there's half hour of that really good stuff. Like you're talking about. If you're doing a 20 minute interview with, with, it doesn't uh, come out. with Paul Brandt, you're never, you're never going to get there. Right. And that's what it is. And it's not like, you only enjoy the 20 minutes of a three hour podcast. You enjoy the whole thing, but it's all linked together. If you just, so now here's another way I'd look at it. Of now you listen to this three hour podcast with, uh, with Dr. Peterson and there's, you know, 20 minutes of it that just speaks to you in that certain way. And, 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 you know, almost stops you in your tracks. I like to say, you know, rings you like a gong where your whole body vibrates. I've had that, you know, that's what was so special to me with when I listened to podcasts and I wanted to do that for others. And I thought I want to be that guy, right? In a very similar way, just different words to say almost what you just said. Yeah. If you took that 20 minute and made that a clip, right? Like everybody does with their podcast, right? Like I kicking myself in the ass that I haven't been better at getting on this already, right? Because that's what really helps with growth. But you take that 20 minutes that really hit you like a gong and you just cut that out and you put that out and you listen to that. It won't be the same way because that 20 minutes lives within that three hours. So that, that, Quote right there. I put it out online because I actually like clipped it out of the episode. I can't find the freaking episode. Now. Like, it's like <laughs> people ask me all the time, what episode is that? And yeah. I'm like, I, I'm literally trying to go back through 1900. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's in the 900s, but yeah. I can't seem to find the damn thing. But uh, I can't remember why I even listened to that episode because it mm-hmm. wasn't a good. I'm telling you, it was not a good episode. Joe hadn't read the book. The woman is giving him a hard time for not reading the book. I'm like, this is really uncomfortable. That's Mm -hmm. why I felt. And she kind of, the way the episode became good is she started asking Joe questions, which normally I don't like. I don't like Joe to talk too much. I like the other way. Mm -hmm. It was not my typical episode. Yeah. 
And that has been, out of anything Joe's done, the most impactful thing that ever ever happened mm-hmm. to me. That quote. And I've never seen it clipped ever on the internet. Yeah. Nobody's ever clipped it. I guess I have now, I yeah. guess. I guess I'd be the one. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly what you mean. Because for everyone, like for a 20-year-old, that wouldn't have, he probably wouldn't even know what the hell he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Instead, I was 33 years old, 33 and a half. I knew exactly what he was talking mm-hmm. about. And I'm like, I got you. Yeah. I'm saving this. I'm earmarking it. I'm, 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 I, I couldn't figure out how to rip the entire episode off of YouTube. Yeah. So I literally put my mic, turned it on full and that's how I pulled it. Like yeah. I'm just such a, like a moron, right? Mm-hmm. There must've been a simple way, but at yeah. the time I was like, I've got an Acer computer and I'm just like stone, uh, you know, stone yeah. age uh, technology. Mm-hmm. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And, and that's, that's special as well. Right. And that's where it's tough to ask that of people of, Hey, come give me a few hours. Right. Like I just had my first UFC fighter on the podcast, which was huge. I haven't released it yet, but, uh, you know, a guy out of Calgary, I'm a really big fan of him and I knew him and, and I reached out to him and he was gracious enough to say, yeah, come on. the I'd come on the podcast. I'd love to. Right. Like, and we found a time we're going to hop on zoom and, and do it. And we go into it knowing we haven't discussed time limit. And I always, with every guest I've ever had, I always say, you know, I, I really enjoy doing long ones, but I value your time. Whatever you can give me, I'll be fine with. And I will give you the, you know, you give me 10 minutes. I'll give you the best 10 minute interview you've ever had. Right. And that's my mindset. And I want to be able to do, go the gambit with a preference for longer. So I knew probably going in, I'll be, maybe I'll get an hour with him. And he says, I'm going to do half hour. Right. Sure. Right. Don't get sour about it. Don't get another. I'm about to rock your tits off for half an hour here. Right. <laughs> like I am about to give you and sure as shit, I was so prepared and I knew his story and I, and I put so much research in that you could see it on his face that he's laughing and he's like, holy shit, I've been asked. Like, I've never done any where I've gotten this type of questions asked about, about my specific style of fighting, where that comes from and the mentality of fighters and all that. And you could tell he he's enjoyed enjoying that. it. He's enjoying this. Right. And that's another one, you know, like same with Paul Brandt, you know, next step is, Hey, let's get in person. Let's have a few beers. Right. Because that crosses that barrier. And that's that tough thing of like that concept of the 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 nuggets living within the, the hole and the more you give me like we're gonna have within that half hour there's also some really good stuff but it lives within that and when you expand that out over three hours it's just even better but to explain that concept to someone that you're asking their time of it's really hard at least i struggle with it of like give me as much as you can and you won't regret it and it's really hard to explain to you why but i'm just promising you and if you trust me give me what you can i would say that takes that takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, the UFC thing for you, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, for the listener, I, I didn't normally, Nick, I, I let you explain who the hell you are, right? Mm. And I somehow we just started, and here we are, forty some minutes, yeah. and we're, we're going. But you were the first Alberta podcast that I stumbled upon, other than myself, right. you know, way so, back and, so, when. And that's exactly what you were to me, yeah. Right, and so. Uh, when it comes to UFC fighters, you're you're building your your resume, your calling card, and mm-hmm. so by getting the first guy on and him enjoying it, yeah, chances are there's going to be other fighters from specifically Alberta that yep. know exactly who that guy is, mm-hmm. and it's just going to start to cascade because you know one of the things that happened to me when I got Corey Cross and then Wade Redden, and then you know, Paul Bissonnette fell in my lap. I, I gotta yeah. be completely honest, yeah. but you know then Kelly Rudy and it just started, and then guys see that and they're mm-hmm. like. If they're going on, it can't be that bad. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is they come on and they enjoy it and they go, 
Oh, that was you were. I'm I'm impressed because you think they're taking a real gamble. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Give you. There's nothing more precious than time. That's right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, when it comes to the UFC and watching, I go like, to me, I just watch it. I'm like, oh man, that guy's gonna at some point he's gonna be like, if you're a UFC Canadian, you're gonna be talking to this guy at some point, right? But it takes time and it Mm -hmm. takes building that Mm -hmm. um, material. I was also gonna say. Uh, I won't take anything under half an hour anymore. I, 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 um, the worst thing you can do as a host or maybe a guest to the host is say, I only got 45 minutes for you. Cause you know where my brain, I want full undivided attention. Mm-hmm. Full undivided attention is the best. Mm-hmm. And I mean that from the host, right? Because yeah. the guest ain't looking at it. How many times you checked your watch tonight? Zero. No. Right. Yeah. And I haven't checked my mm-hmm. watch. I'm not really worried about it. Yeah. Right. But I have so many interviews where, you know, Peter McCullough, you had him on, right? Mm-hmm. He's going to go, I got about an hour. Yeah. And you're like, well, I'm going to give you an yeah. hour, right? Yeah. But what I start doing is, is about 27 minutes, I'm like, okay, I got to, okay, how many questions you got? Okay, I got to be careful. Yeah. And I'm no longer thinking about what he's 100%. saying. I'm thinking about the fucking time. Yeah. And I don't know how many times this happens to me where I'm like, shit, right? And I, I go back to Keith Morrison. I give you half an hour. I'm like, well, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Yeah. Because I, I want you real mm-hmm. bad. It's taking a real long time to get you. Yeah. But I wish you would just say, let's roll. Yeah. And if it sucks, you just say, I got to go. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Because Theo Fleury, the first time I had Theo Fleury on, he said, uh, I'll give you 45 minutes. And I chuckled. I'm like, I know. I, I bet you got a meeting. He mm-hmm. said something like, I'll give you 45 minutes. I got a meeting after. And I'm like, yeah, you got a meeting yeah. after. Like, yeah. fuck. I know how this game is played. Mm-hmm. And at 45 minutes, he started talking about Justin Trudeau. And I just let him go. Yeah. And then I was like, well, we're past time. And he's like, oh, no, I got all the yeah, time in the world. Because yeah. now you're talking what I want to talk mm-hmm. about. Let's roll. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about hockey stories. We're talking yeah. about a guy I freaking hate in his room in the country. I'm like, yeah. all right. Let's go. So let's go. And he talked for like two hours that time. Yeah. Sometimes that's that's what it is. I've right? had that people, a ton of times. People build in this... Um, it's kind of like this trap door, so to speak. Defense mechanism. Yeah. Of like, I'll give you half an hour. I'm, I'm really busy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got what you're saying. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. And and I've found that so many times, right? There's a great guy who you should definitely have on. His name's George Callum. He's out of Slave Lake. He lived an outrageously crazy life. He grew up in uh, in uh, Rhodesia in Africa. George what? George Callum. I'll, 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 uh, I'll send you his book after. He, he wrote a book and it's... I've known this guy since I've grown up. You know, he's always been around. He's that weird, weird, you know, weird guy. I know he's a pretty normal guy, but he had a weird accent, right? When you're a kid, you always know him, but always talk to me, always larger in life, but I had no idea what he'd been through, right? And then he wrote this book and you hear about his, his growing up in Africa and just, you know, leaving home at a, at a young age and living in London and coming over to and, and experiencing America for the first time and, and always had this dream of being a helicopter pilot and then eventually coming to Alberta, you know, without a, without a visa and working and getting his pilot's license and then getting kicked back once he got caught and, and having to go through all this stuff and building up a helicopter company in Slave Lake and getting just fucked over time after time after time with the business. That's just kind of how the oil field worked back in the day, right? Everyone was out to screw everybody and he just got mailed and never gave up and ended up building a hugely successful company, right? And I knew, I knew that and I knew him and we're going into an interview and he said, and I knew he was nervous about it, right? Like he, it was more of his kids saying, you got to go on this podcast. His, his kids listen, right? They're, they're, they're awesome. And uh, he was a bit nervous about it, right? Older guy, doesn't really know what a podcast is. And he said, yeah, same thing. I, I got in a meeting, give me an hour. And start getting close and, and he's really enjoying himself, which you know going into it, you're going to enjoy yourself, but you can't prove that to someone. You just kind of got, trust me, you're going to enjoy this. And okay, we're getting close to an hour. And he gives me the the, the, the signal, you know, no, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Yeah, and we just did more and more. And it's because 
you're having a, a great time. Nobody doesn't like talking about themselves. Exactly, exactly. But nobody wants ever wants to admit that about themselves. That's well, something because one of the best qualities is I don't want to I don't want to act like I'm bragging. Yeah. Well, I agree. But all you're yeah. doing is telling your story. Exactly. And I'm, I'm the one who wants to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's people that want to hear it. Yeah. So that isn't bragging. That's me asking you questions. And that genuine curiosity is what opens people up to take those barriers down of not wanting to brag of that genuine, like, I'm, I'm just interested, right? Like, I want to know. And I think that's, like, when I take it back to that UFC fighter, Chad and Hellinger, who I had on, I was so clearly just on the edge of my seat to ask all these questions, to know all these weird little intricacies of it, that that opened him up to talk about because, oh, clearly this guy is... There's nothing more exciting in his day than this. I can clearly see this on this kid's face. He's, you know, on cloud nine right now. That's going to open me up to talk about those things. And it's, being prepared. And being prepared, right? Yeah, I, I sat and every fight he had that, that morning. But being excited is one thing. Being prepared. For sure. There's professionals on the radio that mm-hmm. aren't that prepared. And yep. you hear it in them every morning. How the hell are you the top of wherever? Like, it, it makes zero sense to me. Again, that goes back that exact, I know exactly why, Sean, and it goes back to exactly what we're talking about. It's that deserved success for you and me to get to a point where we have the audience where someone would have with a, with a radio station or being in front of it just by means of being there and having it broadcast out and people can just pick it up wherever. They may have worked really hard to get there. Chances are they did. Chances are they did. But there's no accountability system to make sure for us to get to the point, like say either one of us was to get to the point where we're getting the amount of listeners, you might even be already surpassed this of like what the average well-to-do radio stations getting of, you know, Joe Blow radio jockey that that's doing it. You had to climb through some shit and you had to do everything yourself and you were going to have to build that brick by brick with nobody else's help but you. That is a very different scenario than that radio picture I just put. Like the the accountability to your success is so much higher. And you look at that all over the place. That's my big issue with politics. And, you know, me and you have talked a, a decent <laughs> bit of politics. And, you know, I'm I'm always the, uh, the dark cloud on it. But the biggest thing I see is there's absolutely zero accountability systems within the whole thing. And nothing really matters. And what you see the consequences of human nature unchecked when you don't have accountability in a system right and you see that all over and and that politics is just a very easy case to point that out on but you see it everywhere and that's kind of now that i've as soon as i had that understanding where you see that you see it everywhere right like oh look at the accountability systems right look at broadcasting for nhl getting a little bit stale kind of sucked a little bit and then chicklets comes in kicks the door down and now everyone's like holy shit it's got way bigger views and downloads than anything the nhl can put together so now they see that, they go, we want a piece of that. Let's bring this Paul Bizonette onto TNT. And now TNT has the best ratings of anything NHL. It's it's like by factors well, of him magnitude. And, him, him and Rick talk it yeah, going at it. Yeah, exactly. And Wayne Gretzky. Like, and, Man, but the, true, but the, and Wayne. But, but yeah. the biggest thing is that they kind of step back and let them do their thing because they said, we've got to be closer. To, we can't go full chicklets where we're swearing and being as wild, you know, Biz Nasty's doing his best, you know, Gluck Gluck 9000 rendition every second episode, it seems these days. But like, that would be way too wild for TV. You just can't do it. But they took a step towards it and look at what happened, right? You see this amazing, because now that force, chicklets forced accountability to the NHL. We're going to get left behind. If we don't, we now we're, but for years, there was no accountability. They could, put whatever product they wanted out and they're trying to do their best they can, but there's just nothing you need something to push against to grow. Right. And if there's nothing to push against, they can just put out whatever they obviously want to put the best content they can out, but it just got old and formulaic because there was nothing to push against. And once you see a little bit of pressure, you see this amazing growth and you well, see the response. What do, you, what do you think of uh golf right now? I love it. 
I have been dying to talk about this. Well, Uh, I'm going to say this. You know, you bug me all the time about UFC. I'm not this giant avid golf follower. Yeah. But it's hard to not ignore this story. It is. Like, this is, you got some of the best golfers in the world Mm -hmm. heading over Mm -hmm. and saying, Pay me the money. Yeah. And what I, and, and another aspect, I mean, I love it just because, you know, I'm a decent fan of golf, but Chase, my best friend, he's a golf pro. That's what he does. He loves golf. He eats golf, drinks golf, sleeps golf, right? Like that's the air he breathes. And just by osmosis or whatever, it kind of sucks me into this golf world. So over the last two, three years, you know, I watch all the majors. I'm watching, you know, the bigger tournaments. I've got my favorites. I can probably name half the guys on tour now where if you asked me six years ago, couldn't even, I'd know Tiger, I'd know Phil Mickelson, but I was not big into golf. It kind of sucked me in and showed me what there is to enjoy about it, right? So I got into it and then I see this live golf thing. It's coming out and it's this Saudi back league that they're going to pay a bunch of money, change the format a bit, you know, less golf. You only play three rounds instead of four. Everybody makes a ton of money. Even if you, uh, you know, don't finish high, it kind of takes it and uh, puts a lot of the power back in the player's hands. The only knock on it is that it's backed by the Saudis. Pretty evil people, pretty backwards. I have a lot of issues with them. But the pearl clutching that I see around the world, when you don't realize that everything you enjoy, all this freedom, this 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 democracy you enjoy, is because America has tied themselves to Saudi Arabia to keep things in order, to keep everyone on the petrodollar. Everything you enjoy, you are such a hypocrite to get mad at these golfers for going to get money when every single thing you enjoy is based on that. And you are just as tied to the Saudis as Phil Mickelson. And if you can stand on a pulpit and give Phil Mickelson shit because he wants to go get money for his family over it, I agree. And I wish you wouldn't have to. I wish the PGA would just p- pay for him. But like, well, the PGA has already come out and they're trying to up the, the purses and they're trying, they're trying to do. Yeah, they're, 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 they're scrambling. But you, that's you, that forced you, you, go, you go back to spitting chicklets in the NHL mm-hmm. and what the, I mean, that's it's, exactly a, what it it's a little different, but it's similar. And you you look at what's going on. You're like, yeah. they're going to pay how much now? Yeah. Oh, they're they're gonna, What did he come on? I think was it the golf commissioner came on and said, I can't remember who said it. Just like you know, if you know they'll bankrupt if they're willing to just lose money in mm-hmm. golf, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. But the the buzz that's created in the golf world mm-hmm. is kind of like Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Uh, coming in swearing and hitting the long drive. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, everybody's. I'm paying attention. I'm yeah. Going, this is some wild mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. And all it is is a rival leak. Uh, where the money's coming from? Yeah, Saudi. Well, I don't know. There's there's a thousand reasons to, you know, mm-hmm. not like the Saudis sure. and some of their, yeah. um, you know, values and everything. But mm-hmm. I mean, shit, Canada's still buying Saudi oil, right? Like, the I whole mean. The world is. So, even if you're not, the, 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 the way they have structured the entire system, they rely on everything and keeping them happy for everything else. To, all the dominoes that fall from not having that relationship is the only reason they still put up with it and the why they can still operate how they do in this day and age where everything seems to be changing except that, right? Yeah, I don't know. I was very upset to see the dragging that Phil Mickelson took over that because he said, and here's where I see it a little bit different. It's because it's not just the money. That's what everybody sees. That's the most flashy. That's the that's the flashing lights at the top. But the bigger thing is it's how they're treated. And it rings so many bells and rings so close to this MMA world right now because there's a huge push in the MMA world where the UFC is this. It's not a monopoly. There's other places you can go, but it is so far ahead. It's a ahead. juggernaut. It is a juggernaut. It's so far ahead. Like there's no, you know, the NHL's got the KHL. They're not comparable at all. They're not comparable at all. But... You look at UFC compared to the second closest one would be probably like a Bellator one one championship. The money's there, 
right? Like you can, you can make decent money, but all the other things that come with it, the, 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 the accolades, the fame, right? Like that's not even close. You can't even compare them. Plus the money at the top end is outrageously different. You're, you're talking completely different worlds there and it's starting to catch up. But the biggest thing they have issues with is they, from the UFC's eyes, everyone that fights in the UFC, they're all contractors. They're not employees of the UFC. They're just private contractors and they get to have all the benefits of that. They don't have to pay them healthcare. They don't have to give them a, a pension. They don't, uh, have to, what else do they get out of that? It all sorts of things. They can write these contracts that are absolutely absurd in the UFC's um, benefit, right? And the fighters have pretty much no say because they're contractors and they can't wear their, they can't bring their own sponsors on. They can't, they have to wear, you know, the outfits the UFC give them. They, the UFC gets all the benefits of treating them as if they're their employees, but all the benefits also treating them the like UFC their contractors. The UFC is the NHL from the 1970s. Yes. And now... Maybe it's 1960s when and, they have the, the players strike, or players union form. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's no fighters union, right? And then you look at golf and you have these PGA stars saying almost verbatim the exact argument I've been hearing for years out of these MMA guys and watching them take a shit kicking. And they say, when I heard, I can't remember who it was. One of these PGA guys say, you know, the PGA really has all the benefits of calling us contracts and we get on legally we're contractors, but they treat us like we're employees and we don't get any of the benefits of that. I was like, man, does that ring some bells? You know, and like, I think it's very unfortunate how it's all getting framed around the money when what the players really want is a lot more than just the money. The money is going to be the biggest thing. It always is. It always kind of hangs on yeah, over top of everything. There's intangibles there. But there's intangibles there that they, that they would like. And for these people that maybe maybe a lot of the guys that jump ship the Phil Mickelson's the world, the money is the biggest thing that brought them. But there's a lot of guys that had some real things that should have been put on the table and should have been discussed, but that all just got completely washed away in this money talk and, and where the money's coming from and that. And it's like really what they want is progress. And this is a way that progress is going to be forced, right? It's that, it's that force to battle against. And you already see the PJ moving on the money thing, but that, and that's the same thing that the UFC is going to do is they're going to push on. Oh yeah, we'll pay you a bit more because what they really don't want to give up is the control because they make way more money based on like that dynamic they keep of contractor versus employees than they would ever lose and having to pay them a bit more. And I think the PGA is very similar to that. And the players wanted to update. They want to be more exciting. You know, they have one tournament a year where it's exciting, you know, the waste management open in Phoenix where everyone has the best time and it's a party and they want more of that. They wanted to bring it in the future. They want to bring kids in. Look at how freaking hard it was to fight to allow them to wear hoodies on tour. I just watched the U S open and I think it was Roy McElroy's wearing a hoodie on Sunday of the, of the U S open. You rewind the clock six years, seven years, that would have been blasphemy. Everyone would have been just clutching, clutching their pearls so hard their knuckles would break, right? Because the sanctity of golf and none of them want that, but it's held there and they have no say in the matter because they're just contractors. They don't get any say in it, right? Like there's so many bigger issues and I think it's unfortunate. Everything just gets focused on the money when there's a lot more to the story than just that. Like, and you can't discount the money aspect. Of course I get that, but man, there's more to this conversation, at least from my eyes. Anytime you have no pressure on the top dog, yeah, they stop like innovating and, mm-hmm. and making things, I don't know, better. They get a little bit complacent, let's say. For sure. Right? Yeah. And that's how new things are formed, I would mm-hmm. say. Right? Now, uh, I, I say that. Do you see a second MLB coming? No, probably not. Mm-hmm. A second NHL? No, probably not. Um, golf? Uh, golf? Although 
I was surprised was going on. When you think about it, you're like, it shouldn't surprise anyone. No, it's, like, it actually, was ripe for that. It was ripe for the picking. Mm-hmm. So was the UFC, honestly, right? It is. It, like yeah. it's really ripe yeah. for the picking. It just needs somebody with deep pockets, understands what the fighters want, create it, and and move on. And then, it, but I mean, like you talk about this live golf, like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, just shamble, right? Like. There are some names mm-hmm. like they aren't taking the bottom feeders nope. over. They're taking some big hitters, mm-hmm. and you know I'm 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 struggling in my brain and 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 like I go back to the WHA days, World mm-hmm. Hockey Association, mm-hmm. when they got Gordy Howe to go, and they got a couple names like that to go. That must have been similar. Yeah, like honestly, but like in today's world, we don't have anything like this, do we? Mm-hmm. Not really, you know, like like a secondary major hockey league. Well, just in sports, like soccer. When when the uh, what was it? The Galaxy got what's his what's his uh, Beckham. oh Beckham, yeah. But, but he was he was at the end of his career anyways, mm-hmm. right? So it wasn't the same. No, like you don't see all these European stars coming over to to America to play. Yeah. So everybody knows we're soccer. We are the secondary league. Mm-hmm. It's still a good league. I'm not knocking it. Yeah, but like the. The closest one I can think of in sports is uh, actually back in the MMA world where there's this uh, organiza- organization called PFL, the Professional Fighters League, and they tried to take it. Was that the one on New Year's Eve? What was I'm the, not sure. What was the one where they could win, wasn't it like a million bucks or whatever? So, yeah, it, it, and maybe the final. So, yeah, they what they did is they took tried to take the biggest names that they could convince over. And then you have two fights in the regular season, they're calling it. Right, where within your weight class you get like a certain amount of points. If you get a finish in the first round, you get six points. If you get a finish any other finish in the second round, it's five points. Finish in the third round, it's four points. If you have a decision, it's three points. And then you have two fights. Whoever the top four guys out of uh, each weight class that they did um, has the most points at the end of the season. They go into the playoffs. So they're trying to make it like a, a sports aspect to fighting, which is tough to do, and it a little bit. You know, for an MMA fan like me, it's a bit tough to take, but I appreciate that what they're trying to do. And then you fight one semifinal fight, which is just, you know, winner moves on the two semifinal fights, winners fight. And if you win, you make a million bucks, which in MMA, if you want to make a million bucks, not only do you have to be the top of the heap, like the best guy, but you also have to promote yourself and you have to, there's so many things that have to go right. And I think, and I think they had the greatest thing in that league. I'm almost like, somebody will correct us on yeah. this. But I'm like 90% sure the final fights were on New Year's Eve. I think so. And it yeah, was that, like, that, that sounds right. And to me, I'm like, what better night to have fights? Yeah. Everybody gets together. You mm-hmm. don't need them to take a special Saturday. Keep yeah. it, you're like, you know, you build. Anyway, finish, finish, finish your thought on that because I have a thought on, on, on a brand owning a day. Anyways. Yeah. It's, and and that's essentially what their idea is: is that they 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 have this million dollar prize that isn't tied to how well you promote yourself. You could do zero promotion. You could do none of the bells and whistles that you're going to have to do if you want to make a million bucks in the UFC. Even the the cream of the crop, you are going to have to not only win against the biggest killers of the world, the best of the best, no slip ups. You can't mess up once to get to the top and win the belt. Even if you win the belt, that doesn't mean you're making a million bucks. There's guys with the belts in the UFC right now that don't make a million bucks, not even close, right? And to know that there's something out there that is just pure meritocracy. You win your fights, like it's set criteria. doesn't matter how likable you are, unlikable. The financial success is tied completely to your ability within the cage for those 15 minutes at a time, which is a dynamic change that is 
completely foreign to MMA and should be quite game changing. It, it it is caught it's caught on a little bit. They've done, I think this is maybe their third year, and each year they've had bigger names that have come over. Because if you're one of those guys, maybe you're in the UFC and you're kind of in the mix for a belt, and and if you win your next two fights, you're probably going to fight for it, and you lose one of those fights, and you think, man, now it's going to be four or five fights. I'm probably going to be out of my prime. I don't think I ever lost my shot. Or I can go over to the PFL and have a really decent shot at winning a million bucks. It's pulling people over. It's it's not like it's changing the game and the UFC's shaking in their boots by any means. It's really a drop in the bucket. It hasn't really affected them at all. But for the fans and more purely for the athletes, it is a big change. And that, if anything, that's my hope for what this live golf thing does is even if it's, you know, the money just continues to be the big story, if it foments meaningful change that impact the athlete, that's what I want. Because in those leagues that don't have an NHLPA, don't have an, uh, uh, whatever the players yeah, associations players, so, yeah. in, 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 in every other, in every other sport, you need something outside to force that accountability. Right. And sure. It'd be great if we had a fighters, you know, uh, um, players, a fighters association, but they've tried it a million times. It's too individual. They, they, they won't, the UFC stands in the way of it every time. And they, you know, maybe not as openly as this, but really make the message. Hey, you go over there. There's, it's not going to be fun for you. And that just creates well, they this don't environment. Want, they, they wouldn't want that. And they and they make that pretty clear without without saying it they say it right like that's and it's pretty clear to everybody and there's been a couple times or a bunch but back of, in the back in the day the NHL owners wouldn't have wanted a players union you exactly. kidding me of course like who who wants to tell you what you mm-hmm. can, you know the, the owners even now uh, foot the bill except yeah. now it's you know like you don't go to like Connor McDavid swings a big stick mm-hmm. Kale McCarr swings a big fucking stick right yeah but going back to the the fighting for a second Mm -hmm. i've always thought new year's eve there should always be big yes like if the ufc was going to own one day of the year Mm -hmm. new year's eve should be it you always get together with friends Mm -hmm. or family doesn't matter but people are always together together, yeah and what if you it became like you know religiously what are you doing oh we're renting the fights man 50 bucks you throw it on we're gonna see whoever the like to me, why they've never done that? And maybe I'm wrong on this. They they have. Like it's not it's not consistently. But it's, but it's every not year. consistently that's every year, need. and that's what you need. Because mm-hmm. I don't. Ex- right now, I'm thinking, what do I expect to see on New Year's Eve? A World Juniors game, I think, yeah. would be the yeah. one that's the U.S. The Canada, most, right? Yeah, that's probably the one I'm always thinking. I'm. Like, mm-hmm. That's crazy me to too. me. You you would think, how is it that? Like minor hockey, or you know what I mean, mm-hmm. right? Is 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 the biggest event yeah i mean we're canadian so and i think it's part of it i would imagine some of it's financial and their thoughts of yes if we like say you're the ufc and i think they usually they used to at least put an event on but it wouldn't be a pay-per-view even it'd be like they'd make a really good fight night for it so it's free to watch and they take advantage of that because i think when you dump when they put on these pay-per-views a lot more money goes into it and they have to shell out because you're you're paying the fighters there's also a, a different level of pay so on the pay-per-views, there's going to be champions fighting. And for the most part, all the champions get pay-per-view points. So they get a little bit of percentage of it, right? So sure. so you are tied to the performance of the event way more than you are. And this has changed because they did that deal with ESPN, specifically talking the UFC. It completely changed the dynamic where they're really at the behest of the, you know, to make their money, they had really had to deliver on these pay-per-views. 
now they don't really because they get their money from ESPN. It's, I don't know what the deal was four hundred million dollars a year or something they get from. You they can, just have to put on a certain. You can amount of try events. and slice this anyway and try and convince me otherwise. But if let's say the Stanley Cup final game for some reason ended on New Year's Eve, it was always going to be Game mm-hmm. Seven. Somehow you could just make that work. Yeah. The Super Bowl. Let's do the Super Bowl. Kay. It's easier. Yeah. It's always going to be yeah. on New Year's Eve. Yeah. You can have good and bad Super Bowls. Like it happens every year, but you own New Year's Eve for sure. And the UFC pay per view on a New Year's Eve, good or bad, is going to do numbers in hundred percent. And I here's so I'm just trying to wrap my head around what the reasons why they wouldn't. And this is just me guessing, but I think they know we have such success. It doesn't matter. We're so big, and we have such a rapid, fa- va- rapid, rapid fan base. That was a tough one. <laughs> that we can put it on any weekend. And we don't have to compete with anybody. Now we do New Year's and there's so many parties and stuff going on that we might actually end up losing out because we can do it any other Saturday and have amazing success. And everybody that wants to watch these fights, they're going to watch these fights. We're going to draw those eyeballs, but we might lose some of those guys that if it was any other night, they'd be watching it. But because they're out, you know, trying to chase after some girls or whatever you're doing or watching the ball drop on New Year's, you might miss it. I think that's probably what their their thought process. And I think they do it differently. They always, so coming up at the end of the month is a huge pay-per-view. You have two whatever the number is and it's right around uh 4th of july they do it every year they they used to do what they call it international fight week they would do and they would have it every time they used to do i think three cards they would have the finale of ultimate fighter i think on thursday they'd have a fight night card friday that's for free and then have a big pay-per-view on saturday they do three back-to-back nights and that was kind of every year new was coming and they would stack that thing that's when they'd always throw the brock lesnar out there and the anderson silva would always be on those international fight week cards and they kind of tried to do the same thing and to own that that week, right? Like your idea. Yeah. I think they probably just said, instead of doing it on New Year's where we compete all this, let's just take this thing where, you know, 4th of July is a big weekend and there's always parties, but that's usually daytime barbecue and more stuff. And then at night, we're going to own that night. So they kind of took your idea, but just put it into a, a, different, different day. a different day, right? And maybe aren't as explicit about it. Whereas if you just picked, like you, like you could do if it was always the 31st, right? That's a little bit of different, you know, you're always picking the weekend or the Saturday around the 4th of July. So it's never the same day right it's always around the same time of year right whereas you're and i think that might be a bit of semantics but i think that matters where if you pick one day a year and you could pull off what you're talking about pulling off i think in the long run once it caught on it would be huge and it would be successful but i think they just at that point don't need to take that risk because they're so successful they're almost a victim of their own success sometimes that's what holds them back from making big moves like that is we're doing so good already why would we risk changing this formula because they could own a day they could literally own New Year's Eve. I'm with you. I think the idea is great. I just, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes of, you know, why? Because Dana, this is the thing. For my money, this is, I don't know if I've ever said this publicly before, but for my money, the most influential non-athlete to sports, to any sport ever, Dana is Dana White. White. And I think he is, and this is the thing. I can sit here and speak for hours and hours about the unfairness in MMA and how these fighters are really, you know, getting shafted in certain ways and it'll and it sounds like i'm really anti-uc and i'm not i love what they do and i've loved what they've built and when you look at their incentive structure and why they do what they do and why they wouldn't do what they do or why they wouldn't do other things it all makes sense and it's all to make money and why would they go pay people more if they're not forced to right and that's where you need fighter unions you need competition you need things to force them to make these changes because why would you? If you're Dana White and you you go, oh yeah, I agree with the public sentiment that these fighters that are coming in the UFC, we need to bump up our minimum. You know, paying guys 
eight eight and eight is too cheap for uh, what these guys are putting on the line. We're going to raise it so every fighter, no matter if they've had zero fights, if they come in the UFC, they're going to make fifteen and fifteen. You know, fifteen grand to show, fifteen grand if they win. Just out of the goodness of his heart, they're owned by a huge corporation. They go, okay, Dana White, you got saw. See you later. That's what capitalism does. Dana White's now out of a job. Somebody else comes in and he doesn't make that call. It is so not his fault and people and i feel like that is what is the biggest thing holding back from change is everyone has their their guns pointed at the wrong guy you know you can yell and scream at dana white all you want it's really not his decision at the end of the day you just don't understand capitalism at it's at, at a at that large of a scale and people just waste so much time screaming and yelling at this guy that can would, even if he wanted to make that change he couldn't he'd be he'd be out of a job right and it's like that frustrates me at times because you see all these people that have so much passion for this subject absolutely screaming into a pillow in my in my estimation you know they're accomplishing nothing with it i'm still focused on uh owning a day no uh, <laughs> no uh uh dana white being the most influential non-athlete who would you throw who would you throw out there well the, the guy but i didn't know that's what i'm looking at mm-hmm. is vince mcmahon okay i if i would agree with you if you consider pro wrestling sports then i would say yes and i'm not and i'm not here to argue whether it is or isn't right like i think but that's what it. is it it's entertainment it's entertainment for sure right but like and so is fighting fighting is the 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 biggest thing of entertainment but it's also a sport do Where, do i'll say this do all the sports leagues steal bits and pieces from what Vince McMahon has 1 done million percent then do. it doesn't matter he is an influential yeah, one okay. son of a bee Behind Vince McMahon, I'll give you that one. I, I agree with you on that. I think he is. It just, for me, for my money, I probably wouldn't. I just don't think of him when I think of sports. Well, because he's not one of the big the big exactly. five or big four, whatever yeah. it is. MLB, NHL, NFL, mm-hmm. NBA. And over the pandemic. What, what's, what's the next couple we got? It's 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 NFL's the top. It goes NFL, ML- NBA, MLB, NHL. Those are the big four, and that's the order. Fairly certain. But you know who's in fifth now? UFC. UFC. And you know who's hot on the heels of the ML, of the NHL? UFC. They are it's almost they're they're almost tied for, for that for that spot at this point. And that was over the pandemic when everyone else shut down Dana and White. They found said, a way to keep going. Yeah. Piss off. We're doing events like this is craziness. You can't shut us down and went out and they just the popularity they, skyrocketed. They did the same thing that the NFL did. Yeah. And they're a little bit, it, they're, it worked out to their favor because they're a little bit brash and they're a little bit like, mm-hmm. we don't give a shit what you And say. their season runs all year long, Yeah, which is another big difference, right? Like the NFL had the whole COVID thing kicked off in September. Maybe the NFL would have been that one that was saying boost it, but they got, so the NFL got to have, let's say April, May, June, July, August, September. They, they got roughly six months of watching UFC go watch it. Not the UFC, watching Dana White go out and just take slings and arrows for six months, being the scumbag of the world, killing everyone's grandma and just not giving a fuck and absolutely raking it in for it, making all the money in the world, you know, just, just, and, and like doubling show after show of just getting more numbers and more numbers and, and building stars out of it. Like there's so many people that came out of this because they were their only show in town. Me as an MMA fan was so much fun to watch because people I know that would never, I didn't even know they ever watched it, but there was nothing else to watch. On a Saturday, they'd be texting me, who is this guy? Who is? And I'm just sitting there like a kid in a candy store. Like, let me tell you who this guy is. Like, Here's his backstory. Here's his from. This is his mom's name, you know, because I'm a goddamn nerd. But like, then the NFL got to watch that, see them lay the groundwork for exactly what could be done if you're bold enough. And then 
all the slings and arrows and it's a different story six months in and then they go be you know they're, they're they go back and do empty stadium shows whatever they did i don't know i kind of lost touch of the nfl the last couple of years don't watch it as much but really yeah i don't know what it is i think honestly no what I think it is is just the further I fall into this MMA rabbit hole, and I love it so much. It takes so much of my time that I don't have as much to kind of spread around to my other auxiliary sports, which is everything. And I think golf adding into that auxiliary too. Auxiliary sports. Now that's a what <laughs> auxiliary sports. It's <laughs> oh, a great term. I love that. Uh, yeah. No. And then I get to watch when the Oilers go deep on the playoffs. So it's not like I really missed any Oilers game, but I was so in the mindset of the Oilers for this whole playoff run, right, and doing podcasts and everything for it that. I found myself missing out on MMA. I was missing cards, which I never miss a card, right? I just wouldn't get caught up with it. And you, you see, you see who's at the top of the game by where your attention goes, right? That's the big thing. That's Jordan Peterson's biggest thing, right? Attention is everything, right? Of what, what your eye and what your mind draws you to. Like that's essentially what everything else is built upon, because that's what we had first. Then we built everything off after that. I think I lost you there. Judging <laughs> by the look on your face. <laughs> I was trying to remember who always talks about attention, and I'm drawing a blank on it. Uh, sorry, uh, non, could be Jordan Peterson. Not non Jordan Peterson. Okay. Actually, somebody me were just literally talking about. Was it Jordan Peterson and somebody else? Because I just listened to a podcast where he he really laid that concept out just like yesterday or the day before. Yeah, the, it's one of those more recent ones. Yeah, and maybe that's what it is. That sorry, that's where you caught me thinking in my head. Like <laughs> I, I know I've heard this. Yeah, literally not that long ago, yeah. and that's probably where it's from. Do you? Would you say like uh, of like the podcasts you listen to? You know, I'm always curious with people that do podcasts, like what 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 their favorite podcasts are. And we've talked differently over the years. I think the I don't know if it's the first or the second time we talked. We were talking about it, and you were talking about Joe Rogan going to Spotify and how that kind of you fell off and weren't listening to yeah. him at all. And, and then now you know I say that, and Spotify is what happened to me. I got removed from YouTube, so I actually have come to really enjoy. I listen to more things on Spotify than Apple now. I've, I've almost complete, and I, if I could go back and slap that Sean, I probably would because it's just like things have changed. Can we not to change directions on this, but you well, just hit me with one of those moments that, you know, I didn't even think about talking about this with you going in, but it's something that we probably should have a conversation about is getting removed from YouTube. Mm. And like you said earlier in this conversation, you talked about that switch you made when you went from not really talking about the COVID stuff and, and really going all in with it and, and, and diving in. And for myself, it was different because I was talking about like episode, you go back to episode one of the Von Dubcast. That was one of the first things I was talking about. And it was early on. It was when the pandemic was still, and I was highlighting all the stuff and like, this is fishy to me. This is fishy to me. Like how, you know, like these people that are calling all these shots are all funded by China. Like none of this makes sense. And this is really scary to me. Like, and we didn't even get, I had no idea what I was in for, but I was talking about this at every point. And I never stopped because that's just who I was. And that's what interests me. And I never, took a second thought to really think about what I'm going to put out. And over the course of that, I put out some episodes and I got a couple strikes on my YouTube page and I'm sitting at two right now. One more, I'm in the same situation as you. My YouTube page is gone and those hundreds of hours of work that went into building it and not to mention, I'm not really good with the money. So I had to pay thousands of dollars to people to get those videos uploaded. You know, could have been not lazy and done it myself or figured it out, but so now I did the episode with you the other day and we talk about your experience at the trucker convoy and there's not an ounce of anything even remotely questionable in it I, for my money, right? Like, I don't think we really talked about anything that taboo. And then I get a message from the guy that helps me do the podcast and he goes, are you sure you want to put the Sean Newman one up on YouTube? You have two strikes and you know what's going to happen. 
And since then, or last week, I've just been absolutely torn. I don't know what to do because, you know, like like you say, thousands of dollars and so much effort in that YouTube page that I've tried to build up. And but my morals say, fuck that. I want to put this up and I'll take my arrows and I'll go down. And I've flip-flopped on it probably 15 times and I don't know what to do. And then I have the Peter McCullough episode that just got released in the video. My YouTube page is backed up to your episode because I've don't want to put them up out of order, but I don't know what decision to make on that because I know for a fact exactly what's going to happen. If it's not your episode, it'll be Dr. McCullough's and I'll be, that'll be my third strike and the YouTube page is gone. So I suppose what I want to ask to you, if someone that's already been down that road and taken that hit, can you maybe walk me through what that felt like when it happened to you? And now with a couple months in between it, do you regret the decision? How do you feel about it? And can you maybe give me any sort of pointers to help me walk down this path? There's no regret. Um, I'd be lying if I said it didn't hurt because mm-hmm. it took it took probably close to three years to get to where it actually had traction. Mm-hmm. What I mean by traction for the listener is, you know, like you, if you would have went back and looked at my... Did Ron McLean? It got like I'm I'm kidding here. It didn't get five views, but I'm I'm not shitting you when it's like 72 views. Yeah, and you had YouTube is a hard nut to crack. Yes, it is. And so I had a lot of that. You know, 72 here, 20 over here, 30 over here, 14 over there, and this goes on and on and on. And then all of a sudden you start to see 200, and you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm not sitting here like racing to the you know because my mainstay of people listening is spotify yeah. apple i think apple is still king last time i checked yeah, yeah mine's but over 50 percent. but you can apple. you can see that spotify uh slowly mm-hmm. uh yeah. catching traction. you can watch it too and you can watch yeah. it now yeah and um except for this episode because i didn't turn the cameras on folks i'm sorry um <laughs> i sorry i meant you can watch as a podcaster and you can like like i can too as spotify has become more of a main player you watch like it used to be 70% of the downloads would be through Apple. And now it's maybe 60. And every percentage point that Apple drops is Spotify, Spotify picking up. up. And you can watch it in real time become more and, of a means. And on, on mine, um, 80% of the episodes, there's video with it now. So you can actually Through watch. Spotify? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I didn't even know that was an option for non-Joe Rogans. Uh, they emailed me saying I could do it. And I was like, holy shit. This really? is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. No way. Yeah. That's fucking cool. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit uh probably i found these mic arms that this little connection here just give it a little pitch yeah um hmm, that's strange that's it fix it no oh no it's right here there it is oh, there Sorry. We're back Me, two podcasters yeah. are sitting here trying to figure <laughs> out my headphones went out um so the, the youtube thing it's like do you regret it no not not for a second mm-hmm. honestly it's cemented Certain things about uh, COVID, uh, about censorship, Mm -hmm. the only way you can fully like understand how close to home it is, is when it happens to you. Yeah. So like things happening to Joe Rogan, there's, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Like that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Brett Weinstein, like, oh man, that's crazy. But I'm like, ah, it never happened to me. It's kind of like COVID, you know, the kids in Calgary, oh, it won't never happen in Lloyd. It'll never happen, you know? And then all of a sudden it starts happening. Like the hell am I doing? And so like, uh, so going back to it, so for the listener, I'm talking about, you know, a hundred views here, a hundred views there on the grand scheme of things. It's not a big deal. Actually, it was a huge time commitment to put it up on YouTube, mm-hmm. but YouTube is a lovely platform. I haven't found anything that's remotely like it. Mm-hmm. Spotify actually 
is a close second, to be honest, in at my opinion. For, at least for podcasts specifically. Yes, yeah. specifically. But by the end of it, I was getting anywhere from 1,000 to 50,000 downloads on YouTube. Wow. So like, you can imagine my eyes were starting to pop out of my head as I, w- I was like, this is, like, this is what you kind of are doing, yeah. right? You're like, you're waiting for this, like, mm-hmm. holy and you're, and you're busting ass for it too. Yes, you're not you are. waiting. You're busting ass for it. And I know, I get to see the behind the scenes and I know because I do a similar thing of how hard it is to get those guests and to organize and to schedule. Like there's so much that goes into it that you weren't waiting for it to get there. You were busting your ass to get there and you earned it. So I get all that. Yeah. And I've had on, you know, like, uh, yeah, I've had on some controversial people. But overall, I don't think the conversation was... Uh, go kill people or, you know, racist comments or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, I even have to justify myself at this point. But I, I interview, everybody knows this. Like, I think by now most people know. I interview Chris Barber. And I, I sit down and I interview Chris. And it's this hard... Of all the fucking interviews I've done, it was fucking harmless. The thing that wasn't har- harmless to what happened was how big the Freedom Convoy got. Mm-hmm. And how big of an anything associated to Chris Barber. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I never thought I would be where it would be contemplated, you know, and the first guy to say that to me was Vance Crow. And I've been on his podcast multiple times, right? Mm-hmm. And um he said the last time, you know, like something about me being radioactive. I th- I still take offense to it. I'm like, what are you talking like man, mm-hmm. I haven't done anything. All I've done is talk to people. Mm-hmm. And my views are not that extreme. They're yeah. just like ask questions treat each other, you know, love your community and your family and your yeah. people. Anyways. And so like, I don't know. Is there any regrets? No. Did it hurt? Yeah. Because I just started to see this like light of holy mm-hmm. Dinah. Yeah. Like this is super cool. I just, you know, I didn't pay any money on YouTube, right? I didn't, I'm sure there's ways to get your subscribers up and there's some yeah. entrepreneur listening to me yeah. going, you should have just done this and this and this and you would have 50,000 followers yeah. right off the yeah. start. Right. Um, to, in order to get paid on, on YouTube, you have to have, uh, uh, content watched and for a podcaster, that's easy. You get, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to have so many hours, hours worked. watched. Yeah. yeah. Like that's you get three easy. people to listen to four podcasts and, and you're, you're over the, yeah. you're over this thing. And mm-hmm. like, the thing is, is I had hundreds upon, well, thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of hours watched. Like mm-hmm. it was ridiculous, but then you have to have a thousand subscribers and that to me was a, was a tough nut to crack yeah. because like in the beginning I wasn't I didn't really promote it I just yeah. I just put it out because some people like video I don't mm-hmm. love video for a podcast I want to listen yeah and I hit over a thousand subscribers I was just you could see where this was going I was mm-hmm. like wow this is cool so it hurt um it really hurt uh, where I sit right now is like I'm like do I go back in under like Sean Newman podcast 2.0 or something and start. Mm-hmm you know, building it again. I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, it's this conundrum we're in. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about the things you want to talk about? Well, for me, it's not even like, that's a, to me, I'm like, that's a dumb question. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I haven't given any thought. Like I, I wouldn't do anything any different. Yeah. Um, YouTube just sent me an email saying you've been removed. Your channel is gone. Mm-hmm. It sucked. Uh, Did you ever try and 
talk to them or uh, I emailed them several times and and never anything back. Like I don't think it's just Sean Newman did this. It's just the algorithm going. He is Mm -hmm. associated with this. Mm -hmm. He's had this many strikes, Mm -hmm. and boom, you're gone. And so like I don't know. I I feel like honestly when I when I if there's any advice, it's like well if you're gonna keep going down this path, it's inevitable. Yeah, and that's where I'm at too. And it's like I know. Regardless of whether I put it up or whether I have a YouTube page or not, I'm still going to talk about the same things, right? And yet, uh, who's the the British actor? Um, shit, what the hell is his name? Uh, forgetting Sarah Marshall. You know what I'm talking about? No, I don't. Oh, Russell Brand? Russell Brand. He's found a way. It's amazing. That he, you know. He doesn't say, you know, we're not allowed to talk about the shot or, you know, yeah. he never uses certain key yeah. and he works the algorithm a different way. Yeah. It's very brilliant. It's amazing. So like, and also, but I think even he does, it's a combination of that and him already being, uh, Joe Rogan talks about um, escaping the net, right? There's a certain way where you get big enough where you're outside of their control, where Russell Brand is that, where if they, okay, so they unfairly, Kibosh your YouTube channel. They get ready. And Sean Newman now, no longer has a podcast. Does that crack the news? Does that make CBC? No. Not even remotely They do that close. to Russell Brand. There's a whole different shitstorm coming for them. So they know. So they, it's it's definitely him being smart. And I love how he goes about it. And he does it in an amazing way. And everyone would be benefited by going to check out his YouTube channel right now. Like, you know, as much as I never want to tell anyone to turn the podcast off and go check it out but like just go to it subscribe well, don't turn and go, it off pause yeah, yeah. pause go, go subscribe yeah. and then and then yeah. come back exactly but i think that youtube knows that's a much different animal and they can it almost makes it more like they got to get the guys they can get because there's already guys that got out of the got out of the net and are going to be doing it and that adds another well, Joe, layer of Joe, importance Joe Rogan leaving them hurt yeah. I mean, they're way too big of a, a monster. To feel any hurt. To feel that. Yeah. But Joe Rogan getting ahead mm-hmm. of it was brilliant. It was. And if you, you always have to, you never know how much you're you're taking at, at face value for what he's saying. He always could have, you know, more that he's not letting on. But the way, if to hear him tell it, it was almost coincidence. You know, like he could see the writing on the wall and like this, the, the, censorship starting to come on youtube and stuff but i think in his head he kind of thought i'm you know if there's going to be a shit storm if they kibosh russell brand there will be a full shit hurricane if you get rid of joe Rogan, like he has he's the has the most rabid fan base in the world for anything more than any sports team more than anything like, like you, you they wouldn't even know and i think they know that, and i think he knew that so he kind of thought yeah i don't agree with what they're doing and i don't really want to be a part of it but i don't think it ever worries me Right, and he, so then he they goes pulled over. Donald Trump from Twitter. So to me, I go, and yeah. he has maybe the most rabid fan base, not only <laughs> to his country. Yeah, and so I go, uh, it isn't coincidence. Joe is way smarter than he lets on at times. Big time. Which is which is brilliant. I really enjoy it. Right. He knew the writing was on the wall. Mm-hmm. Whether like the things he would have been dealing with between YouTube and the background must have been wild. Because honestly, like Sean Newman getting pulled off like there's I'm just another 
minion in the cog of things mm-hmm. that just got wiped out from YouTube. And, right. you know, like uh, Jeremy McKenzie, Raging Dissident, is, is a guy who's been removed from, you know, he's kind of like the Canadian Alex Jones, and he's fighting some serious fights right now mm-hmm. with the Canadian government. And, like, he's got a wild story. And he just, you know, he, but he's still small enough. He can go yeah. back on as Raging Dissident 2 or whatever yeah. and have a YouTube channel again. That's why I bring it up. It's like, well, do you just bite the bullet and go back? Mm-hmm. Because the platform is so smooth to use. Like exactly. it's, it's and, and everybody uses everybody uses YouTube. Yeah. I, I must say, I hate YouTube. It's kind of like Amazon. You're like, oh, fuck, fucking it. Like, I, I want to support the local guy, but I need this yeah. thing and it can be here tomorrow and I don't have to, you know, I'm busy with whatever you do. Oh, okay, it's there, done. And it, it's a, it's such a sound, smooth operation. Yeah. You're like, fuck, I hate you, but, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. And I wonder, you know, if you know that and you know the algorithms, if you try and like re-upload your catalog, you're going to get the same strikes for the same episodes, more than likely on the algorithm, or maybe they'll pick some other episodes and give you strikes where they didn't. An idea that just occurred to me as you were talking was if you go in and every time you have an episode that you know is going to get strikes, you just put it in. Because I was thinking, I wonder if people would notice, you know, if just every once in a while you had a the number skipped. Like, oh, they went from 149 right to 151. Where's 150? And they would put it together. Like, oh, it can't be on YouTube. I'll go find it other ways. But just to put it up. You know, like if I decide to do that with your episode where it's goes to, okay, I'm going to hit episode, you know, I just listened to 149, I'm going to go to 150 and they pull it up and it's just me saying, hey, I would love for you to hear this episode on YouTube, but unfortunately there's nothing in this episode that deserves the ire that it's going to bring on to me, but I can't put it up here. If you want to find it, go look at Spotify, Apple, you can find it in those places and hopefully one day YouTube comes to their senses and we can put it up here and we can all enjoy this conversation together. And just have that as them, like you know, like that's just me troubleshooting ways to, you know, Russell Brand your way into into gaming the system and having getting what you can up there and and taking advantage of that amazing platform without it's, compromising. It, yeah, um, but even that is compromising, right? Like, yeah, it, it's it's tough. You know, I, I I was just, you know, this learn about COVID like thing that gets put on all your episodes. I'm sure you know yep, all about yep. it. Like, I'm just looking back. Like, I hear exactly what you're saying. You know. So some of the episodes I got yanked for was Roger Hodkinson. He's a doctor. Yeah. Very, very... Well-respected. But very, like, blunt. So oh, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I understand. Yeah. I understand why they don't like that. Then it was... Um, God damn. What was his name? He worked on the border. He was Border Patrol. I'm forgetting his name right oh, now. Okay. I, I think I listened to that one. I, I know who you're talking And about. he was a bit extreme. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I, I, he was just a wild man. Yeah. Hell, he pulled his shirt off in, in the middle of it. <laughs> it was an interesting yeah. sit down, right? And I'm like, okay. Actually, at the start, I'm like, okay. I, I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, Sean. You know, all right. You're, you're, you're Brought this on myself a little a bit. A little maybe, bit. Yeah. The third one was a uh, marine biologist. But he was a part of, um, God, Sean's brain isn't working right now. Uh how many episodes ago was that? Let me pull it up here because he was a marine biologist, Todd Kenyon, a marine biology and mechanical engineer uh, and a financial analyst, uh, analyst, but he's a part of Panda, Pandemic Analytic and Data. And he told me as soon as I put it on YouTube and it got pulled, he's like, they don't like us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, really? And it was, it, you know, like it doesn't even get on Spotify. It doesn't even get to learn about covid Hashtag mm-hmm. has nothing. 
right? Like, yeah. And you think about that, you're like, that's what they were pulling back then was anything to do with COVID, anything, anything. intervention, ivermectin, anything. Yeah. That was my third strike there. Mm-hmm. And my final and inf- everything gets removed was Chris Barber. And mm-hmm. that had nothing to do with COVID. Well, I mean, it had everything to do with COVID, but right. it was talking about the Freedom Convoy. Mm-hmm. And we saw what that blew up to be. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's um, it's tough. I think we, we're, we're in a very precarious time. Yeah. You know, like um, I had um, I had the Flight Boys, uh, Greg Hill and Matt Sattler on free free to fly. And uh, they're at, you know, first question, they always, you know, once you build rapport, mm-hmm. as we both know with guests who've been on once or twice before, yeah. you know, first thing they're like, how's full time podcasting? Yeah. I'm like, ah, and I was so tongue tied again, you know, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, and I'm like, we got. And, and I kind of hit myself. I'm like, we got to understand, like, they're attacking free speech right now. And that now is attacking my profession. Exactly. Like, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm that extreme, but I do like having open dialogue, being and able to questions. Go, and being able to talk to anybody I want. And trusting my audience is smart enough to get guests as I don't, I don't have every guest on. And all of a sudden I'm just like, they are so smart. Yeah. And I'm like, like, you know, like Bill C11 and what's the other one? Bill C10, C15 or whatever. There's a whole bunch. There's a whole bunch. Mm -hmm. They're trying to like, they're trying to like, like give themselves as much control as they can to say what can and be can't, what can and can't be said. Even on, even on Spotify, on social media, everywhere, Everywhere. on the internet in general, right? Which is a very scary power to give anybody. Whether you trust them to use it well or not, the next guy might so not use it. So I don't it. know if I've given you any help on the YouTube thing. Yeah, I, I'm just. It, it does help to hear exactly how you, how you lay it out and to see your experience with it. It does help. It does, hasn't answered the question for me on what I want to do, but you know, like. Yeah, well, I respect you anyway. You want, which yeah. create, what, you know what's honestly crazy to me? What's that? Is that you interviewing me may get you removed off YouTube. You know how right? fucking crazy that is? You want Anyone who knows me, I'm just like, I'm not. Uh, do, am I? Have I become that extreme guy? Yeah. Like, I'm like, what am I doing that's so fucking extreme? Like, that that's the conversation that gets around. Except you're not the first guy to say it. So, so one of so one of my strikes, Sean, was one of my solo episodes of just me talking to myself when the fir- when they first mandated the the big Alberta changes for the vaccines and what was mandated, what you could and couldn't do with or without a vaccine when that came out. I just sat, I read through them, you know, didn't, you know, physically, but just like was absolutely kicked in the teeth with seeing this of just not even knowing like the experience for myself of what I was about to go through and what rights I had just lost in a moment of them putting that in because I am, you know, never got vaccinated and still haven't been. And, you know, and just sat there, read through it and asked questions. This doesn't really make sense to me. Why is this like, if the vaccine doesn't help prevent spread like what what is the difference between going into a a concert or doing this and just ask questions hey this doesn't really make sense and have they thought about the mental health house and just sat there for i don't know what i did an hour hour and a half and just asked questions at it and just said like i would love for someone from alberta health to come and educate me on this maybe i have this completely wrong it didn't you know just gave my opinion and just ask questions ask questions just said this doesn't make sense to me this is a, can someone explain this to me and i got a strike for that misinformation and I didn't even say anything. I just asked questions about what was put forth and I got to start. And the, you go through the exact same thing you just said. Of, am I blind? Have I changed? Am I 
completely out to lunch. Am I some, you know, pick any of the words that Justin Trudeau got and up in front of the country and, and, and labeled everyone that thinks differently as like, am I that person? Cause I don't feel like it and I don't think like it. And I have a lot of friends that are on the other side that we still get along with and I can still have conversations with. And frankly, they have some of the same questions I do <laughs> that I just laid out here. But yet, due to the algorithms, due to that, y- you get the strike either way and it's unappealable. There's nothing to say about it. You just get it. Well, and I don't I don't have the lawyers to go, you know, exactly. right? Like, exactly. Uh, this isn't just happening to... The, the, mm-hmm. the thing is, is this, it, it graduated from just happening to the one side, right? And I put yeah. me and you on a side and like whatever. But like even to the 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 side that uh, I remember reading the story about the side that was pro vaccines, mm-hmm. they started getting strikes. For sure. Just for talking about the 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 words in it, yeah. And and everyone's like what the hell is going on? Like yeah. everybody's thinking it. It's like yeah. this is insanity right mm-hmm. now. Like you literally it like is. Everybody stares at the, you know, if you follow Joe Rogan, you're like, well, he had Alex Jones on. He said some pretty crazy stuff Mm -hmm. about Sandy Hook and things like that. And it's like, yeah, it's already been removed. And I mean, listen. He didn't say anything about Sandy Hook on his podcast. He had a guy on who had previously talked about that. And then they dispelled and ignored and and set the record straight on It's because Alex Jones is Alex Jones. Mm -hmm. He has a show that is... Sure, hits on some things, but at times is like misses. Oh, big misses too. They take swings. They take swings, mm-hmm. and so, but that's what's happening right now. Is so if you you know like would I have Alex Jones on tomorrow? I would. 100%, I think that'd yeah. be a wild conversation. It would. Um, and that would likely get you removed from just about fucking everything. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Yeah, be lucky they don't come in the studio and steal your mics from me at that yeah, point. Yeah, this yeah. you are unable. Well, that's what Justin Trudeau would do. He he, we've Cut taken we conf, we've confiscated all Sean Newman pod, uh, Sean Newman's podcast mics because he just can't be uh, responsible enough to have the right people on. Mm-hmm. Alex Jones is not to be trusted. Yeah. It's like, well, I trust my audience. The audience is smarter than me. Exactly, and like you look at. These conversations, that the, that's exactly what they are. They're conversations, they're questions that should be asked. And the infantilization that that, the, the precedent of infantilization that that sets that you are not smart enough to judge for yourself and we need to completely nerf every edge and, and you know, put things through these filters so that you can be okay and you can't be responsible enough as an adult to make these decisions for yourself. We have to, for the, for the greater good, which anytime you see people say that or their reasoning after one or two steps get down to, Oh, it's for, it's for your own good or it's for the greater good. Read some history books and see when that rationalization has ever worked and look at where some of the biggest atrocities have ever happened in the world and look at exactly what the rationale was. It's exactly that. And that's not a red flag, you know, like just to know that I would never use the greater good as a rationale just because I've read history and I know what that, what that echoes and for you to be that out of touch to use that rationale just shows like that you don't even either you're just so inept and so ignorant that you don't realize it or you've just never read history before which might be true with some of the people in power you don't know or you just so you're so out of touch that you don't realize that or you don't care like and i don't know which one's worse neither of those are good but i don't even know which one's worse to me i think not caring is a dangerous i don't know but you're right I, I but also know. to be in that position of power and to not be aware of that, like I know you've, 
you've read some books like you've read like Gulag Archipelago, I know, and we've had a, some discussions on that, right? Like, like that should to to reach a certain level of power, you should almost have to read certain books like that or in that certain vein of things to to recognize. Well, me and Danielle Smith had this conversation mm-hmm. last time she was on, not not about books in particular, just about what should a politician, what should be the qualifications yeah. to go into politics? Yeah, is it you have to run a business? Is it is that a, or is it that you have to go to school for something? Yeah. I, I don't have the answer. I actually yeah. don't have the you answer. Just posing the question. Posing the question. Yeah. Like, what what is it? Mm-hmm. Like, is it just you care about the, the being good and and your value? Like, yeah. I have no idea. And how do you prove that? And how do you prove it? Right. Like, I I don't know the answer. I just know that I want. If I should could, be something. If I could take a bunch of hockey players and put them in politics, I, that's what I would do. And, I'm pro hockey, obviously, <laughs> yeah. but I, I love a lot of the team dynamics The yeah. some of the, you know, when you look at the NHL, the amount of pressure they're put under, like they can handle some shit. Yeah. And our politicians can't handle shit. Well, we need right now in the world, nobody wants to get into politics. Why? Because the people will eat you alive mm-hmm. for no matter which side of the fence you stand on. Mm-hmm. Even if you stand right on the middle, yeah. people are going to eat you alive. Yeah. So right away, you need to have thick skin and still stand for your beliefs. And what politician did that? Ron DeSantis, the lady from South Dakota, right? Those two come mm-hmm. to mind. Mm-hmm. There's probably a couple others. Yeah. Tulsa Gabbard. And, and, and you add on to that. If you do choose to be that rare politician that escapes the net, that keeps their values like me and you have had this conversation, I feel very strongly that it is one in a million for you to be able to get through all the things that are set in place to impede you. If you are someone that has strong values and that believes in them and is going to stand by them, they are going to weed you out, right? So then you see a Tulsi Gabbard, she gets through that net because she was, you know, served in the army, did all these things as an amazing human, like... And then starts speaking out about against both the left and right about the, the the corruption and things that she's seeing. They labeled her a Russian. Hillary Clinton was out there saying that she was a Russian asset and all this stuff. Like she served in the U.S. military, like just like the most outrageous, heinous things. Like she's a puppet of Putin and stuff. Like unsubstantiated, nothing. But you see that nothing scares them more, right? The left isn't scared of the right. It's the same people. They go have barbecues with them that night, right? They're all fun. They all go to the same people for money. They all go to the same people. The only thing that scares them is someone that will highlight the corruption in both sides, right? Like a Tulsi Gabbard, like that thing we talked about on my podcast, the Unity Project with Brett Weinstein that was trying to steal back the power of this two-party system in the States and, and try and put it into the people that actually have the people's interests at heart. They rallied the troops of tech politicians to absolutely crush that thing and everybody came together, both the left and the right, to crush that down because there's nothing that scares them more. The, so then, you, so so let's stick to Alberta then. Okay, I love bringing up Alberta politics mm-hmm. right now because I keep saying, and whether I'm right or wrong, don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my look at this. I think the next premier of Alberta is Jay Woodcroft, and I mean that as that like literally his track record of how he gets his 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 deal. Uh, so Jay Woodcroft, obviously you know this, but for the listener, right, is is the new head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. But if you rewind the clock, he gets brought in, what is it, like two and a half months, three months before the end of the season. They're yeah. out of a playoff spot, six yeah. or seven points. Really, you should figure out if it was six or seven. But it's, you get the yeah. point. Yeah. They weren't doing good. Mm-hmm. In comes Jay Woodcroft. What an opportunity. Yeah. 
has the second best record in the NHL as a head coach yeah. in that duration. Mm-hmm. Puts him in in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Wins his first round. And it wasn't easy, as no. we all know. Had to dig. Ben meets his provincial rival, destroys him. Sorry, Calgary fans. And then loses and then loses to Colorado, and we all know how that goes. Yeah. Anyways, what is he what ends up happening? He gets a three year deal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hmm. The next premier of Alberta is Jay Woodcroft. They're gonna win this um leadership race mm-hmm. and they're going to have a short runway to do something impactful I think maybe I'm wrong on this I don't quite understand politics but I look at it and I go they have this small opportunity where they're like they could literally get in do whatever they want because right now the conservative party has been a bit of a hot mess it's a bit in shambles yeah so they have a real short window mm-hmm. and then they have to run for election again yeah and to me I'm like they're Jay Woodcroft they have this like crazy opportunity when does this happen right when you vote out your leader mm-hmm. which it has happened before just not you know this isn't every second year this yeah. happens so this is rare so they get to come in they get to do something they got to win another election and they got to move on i agree with all that but i think you already know where i'm going with this of none you, of it none you, of it matters you don't think daniel smith can get in and and shake it up you don't think todd lowen who spoke out early on. You don't think any of them, if they got elected, they could make meaningful changes to um, move Alberta to somewhere we all want to hang our hat, to be the Florida of Canada or the Texas of Canada or whatever you want to call it, South Dakota. I think they can try their damnedest. I and to be completely fair, my expertise is way more in American politics than Canadian politics to me. Isn't that a wild statement? Isn't that wild? Hey, and I know it's, it's, it's wild. It's wild. That to is me Canadian. Too. Our Canadian. That's a Canadian yeah, problem. We focus is. on American politics over our own, and our own is what governs us. Like, if, fuck. Isn't for that sure? Wild? For sure, it is. But also, I think we are governed a lot more by U.S. politics than we think, and we are just we take whatever the hot button, the whatever the hot topic is in the U.S. We take it to our. We're you know, it's kind of this left left right divide pushing against each other it goes through this canadian lens with the hot button topic and it gets completely shifted about six steps left because we don't even have a right in canada it's, we're we are at our core just leftist that's that's what we are we're the polite nice people and we get the most jacked up you know left-wing american politics on steroids is our standard right like that's what the bill you know c10 c17 like that's exactly what that is and that's why i put more focus on them because i think that has more of an impact directly than whoever the fuck sits in the seats in Canada. Then on top of that is the point I was going to make is yes, there's opportunity for actual valued, brave, patriotic Canadians to weasel their way into that system and make change. And if they do, they will be, they will put everything in front of them from both the left and the right to stop them from going any further because that is the threat. That's the biggest threat they have to them. Like I said, it's not, they paint everything to be in this view that they want everyone to think it's left versus right. Right. And that's what they, that's what gives them powers. Everybody being in this concept where they look at left versus right when it's all a sham. And what it really is, is establishment versus anti-establishment. Right. And nobody can see that, but it's, it's these people that want the same 
it doesn't matter if 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 the if if the Republicans win or the Democrats win, right? It's almost better off to be you know paid opposition, right? You you still keep your job, you still go fight against them, but now you don't have the pressure, you don't have to take as many slings and arrows for the next four years, and then maybe you win, you get a little bit more power. But it really doesn't matter. The people that are paying them all and the lobbies that are paying them all, they're paying both sides. The ones that are really making the shots, the corporations that have so much more power than any, you know, like you think. You think Jeff Bezos has less power than name any politician within Canada or America? Well, one of the things people... I didn't know this until I interviewed Paul Shu, my professor of history back... How long ago I interviewed him? Anyways, he talked about how the uh, donation limit was scrapped for institutions. So, uh, for, so like Jeff Bezos... Mm-hmm can donate as much as you want. Yeah, the Koch brothers. The Corporations can donate as much as they want. Raytheon, it, right? And to me, I'm like, that's fucking wild. Yeah, and it that it seems wild, but here's the thing. It's not even that wild because that's just the dog and pony show. There was never anything stopping them from. Yeah, it made it a little bit easier where they had to put it through shell companies sure. or they had to put it through this, sure. but they were there was never anything holding them back. If they wanted to put money, it was so easy for them and what it always did, has did, been. You know, you rag on, not you, just in general. Mm-hmm. Probably rag, me too. We, we rag on politics. Mm-hmm. But like, what would you do different? Like, I mean, you got the two-party system, relative. You know what I mean? In Canada, we got 18 yeah. parties. But I mean, it's literally conservative liberal is for the most part. I mean, Alberta conservative NDP, you get the point. I have some pretty wild ideas of how to change it. Would they ever happen? Not a chance. Right. But that's me. And that's, I'm a solution guy. Right. I hate sitting there. I would okay. never talk about these things if I didn't have some wild, crazy ideas in my head of what would fix it. I don't know if I have a wild, crazy idea. So I'm interested. Fire away. All right. So I think you need to completely not just take out rules of what you can, can or can't pay for. And this is going to be a huge barrier. And the reason why this wouldn't work is because free speech and something I'm so passionate about and free speech is everything to me. But that's especially in America, right? The, the, Free speech would impinge on this, but you take away any money in politics. You have a set amount that comes in. It's in the tax bill. Both sides get X dollars, $100 million to run their campaign. You can't take any other money from any people. Both sides get it. And now you put that money towards kind of what you want, but we're going to take the bulk of what's going to happen is going to be long form conversation. That's not mediated. It's not debate style. It's going to be mediated where... It's like this. It's a podcast where through out while you're running, you have to actually defend your ideas in the long form and there's actually be accountability forced back into it. It's not this dog and pony show. The debates are so useless. You get zero information out of them. They don't do anything. And I know me, that's something close to your heart and I'm sure you're going to want to jump in on this because it's very similar to the ideas that you have to fix it, right? And, it, and that's the thing. We're not far off on what our ideas to fix it are, but I think you need to go further. And even then, it doesn't fix the problem. But what it's going to do is highlight the problem that everyone's so blinded from of that all they're doing right now is giving you saying whatever they have to say to get through it so that they can get back in power and they can keep doing the bidding of the corporations, whoever's paying them and them pretending to care about what the people think is all just dog and pony show. Right. And that's what those debates are. They're set up so we can make it look like we're actually addressing these issues when we're actually not. Maybe we have a bigger problem. Hit me. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives. That is a huge problem. Do you think I, that's a, do you think that's a huge problem or do you think that's a symptom? Hmm. Because 
I think it, I, I think I don't know the answer to that question either. I'm just trying to think about it in real time here. But well, for sure that's an issue. But now is that a symptom of it's so corrupt? Because that's me. Like the what what amplifies my not giving a fuck is knowing how useless it is and how corrupt but it, it all but, is. But even if it like the corruption and everything, right? That comes about because nobody gives a shit. So that's been going on for a long mm-hmm. time. Right, the nobody giving a shit just didn't happen. Nobody giving a shit. You go through a stage of your life where you don't give a fuck. People talk about having kids, and all of a sudden you like, this means something mm-hmm. now. And I, I for me, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, a lot of people talk, especially on the conservative side, that when government starts to infiltrate your life, they they take notice because mm-hmm. for conservatives, I think. Uh, Government, you're not supposed to notice them. That's that's general consensus, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah, they're supposed to do the people's bidding, and businesses don't want to know they're there. Yeah. Let us do what we do, and we'll pay you whatever you need, and we'll just carry on. Kind of, yeah. you know, that's simplistic, but that's the general idea. Mm-hmm. Somehow, and this is probably cyclical in demor- democracy mm-hmm. specifically. Somehow, it's gotten to a point where you know, like, I forget what, I, I'd love to know what the numbers are. I should bring on a numbers guy to, do, like, break it down. Mm-hmm. Of like, how many people actually vote? Yeah. That's wild to me. It's, it's, it's pretty low. low. It's it's always shocking. Every year, it's shockingly low. Right. And you go, like sub why, 40%. Why is that? Yeah. And then and, and you just break that down. So one of the things, you know, I, I'm I'm a solutions guy as well. Like, mm-hmm. I love complaining about things just like anyone. Yeah. But I, I, I actually pose the question because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, if you got some, a yeah. great idea, well, I, I'm of the firm belief we're only one leader away from it being enacted. Uh, I, honestly, yeah. I, I'm that hopeful. Mm-hmm. And it's probably ill-advised, but what, I don't know how else to live life. I can't go down this road of like, the nihilism of it. That's right. Yeah. So I look at it and I go, for Alberta here, what I'm trying to pull off is certainly not an official debate because I don't think the conservative party is going to look at me and go, oh, Sean Newman's the guy we want. Mm-hmm. But I would love to have mm-hmm. prospective leader, leadership candidates come to a, a, a debate. Yeah. Relative podcast style. It'll be still on stage. Yeah. But it'll be like what I did in Lloyd with the different people. And mm-hmm. I think, like, I've watched the debates from the federal. I never would have done that 10 years ago. And I've mm-hmm. watched I'm like, this is this is bad. Mm-hmm. Like, they, I, like, you kind of get a feel for people, but you don't. It's, and I watched the federal debate the last time. And I was like, like, I want to hear Trudeau speak. I really want him to have be Have you pushed. ever heard him speak? I have. No, I... I, 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 but, I but, but, do, but you know I what I'm, do you know what I'm saying? I understand though? what you're saying. And I feel like I've never heard that guy ever talk. So social media, what I find interesting about social media is um, they love to make him look like a buffoon. Now, that's easy at times. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he gives a lot of ammo yeah. for that. But I've watched him on some talk shows, and he's better than people think. But in saying that, he doesn't have ever a host that pushes back. And I'm not going to be a moderator who's just like, you know... But you have to have a style mm-hmm. where where whoever the conservative leader gets to push them on things. And we don't have a style right now that allows for a debate to actually happen. Maxime Bernier, I don't know if, uh, you know, like the, the strategic placements of things so that it doesn't happen is very interesting to me. Maxime Bernier had enough of the popular vote back when the federal election was happened to be on that stage. He certainly, in my opinion, whether you love Maxime or not, um, would have been way better than the guy from Quebec 
he's literally on stage on our federal fucking debate saying, I, I'm I don't not care even, about the rest of Canada. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not running for the leader anyway. So yeah. you don't want to ask me. Yeah. Me, minion of Kenya goes, get that guy off the stage. No Put shit. somebody at least wants the green party. She's like, well, we only care about these, these issues. It's like, mm-hmm. get her off the stage. Yeah. If it needs to be a two or three person debate, I'm fine with that. If Maxime Bernier is going to go on and stir crap up, like th- to me, I'm like, let's make it a debate. Mm-hmm. And one thing that's lovely about a podcast is you get to have the back and forth. Yeah. So I'm hoping, you know, whether it's a solution, mm-hmm. maybe it crashes and burns. Things will crash and burn. For sure. I'm hoping that I get an opportunity with the leaders mm-hmm. of that are running for it. And I hope I get to put them on a stage yeah. and do something that is unusual to what the status quo is. Right. And I've had this thought, you know, similar, but I just started smaller in my head of what I wanted to do was the next mayoral um, race in Slave Lake of oh, trying yeah. to do, not even on a stage, just pull them into it and just do a proof of concept of it, of just saying, okay. But that'll be fantastic. I think it would be unbelievable. And I think people would actually care. And I think people would actually get an idea of who these people are and what they stand for and what they want to do and what kind of capability they have. If it's over two hours plus, you will get a real sense of who those people are. You you can't, somewhere there's, maybe Jeffrey Dahmer's the wrong guy. I'm trying (laughs) to think of like some like, but something always comes off weird. Mm-hmm. When somebody doesn't sit right, I don't know what it is. Just yeah. it feels wrong. Mm-hmm. We all have that ability. Yeah. In a five minute clip, you can't quite feel it. Mm-hmm. Two hours, you get it every time. Yeah. Like yeah, you mm-hmm. can put on you can put on a show over twenty minutes. If you have to do half an hour, you might be able to. Once you get even close to an hour, yeah, that mass starts to slip. Right. And we've seen it. There's been a million times where these people have gone on, you know, Rogan's the top of the heap for for long form conversations right where you've seen him have people on who have been able to skate that skate and dance their way through these things but then a certain way when he starts to push and he, this is one of the things i love rogan for is when he starts smells blood in the water and he's got someone skating where they're you know they're crumbling in front of him and he sees it come out in their true self and he's going to push on that and he's noticed the the crack in the armor and their facade start to fall off he pushes and he pushes i think might have even been I don't want to throw this out there because I might be wrong. I might be conflating two different episodes, but it might have been Jordan Peterson's daughter who went on. And I can't remember. I think it was Michaela. And again, I hate to say this in case I'm wrong and it was a different guest that I'm conflating, but it might have been Michaela wasn't a great episode. I think that was one of those ones where he could see that she was not fully prepared on some of the subjects. She's an amazingly intelligent person, has amazing, but but there were certain things where she was not willing. Does Michaela get on... But let me put it to you this way, and then I'll let you finish your point. Does Michaela get on there if she isn't Jordan Peterson's daughter? No. No. But I think as someone who has struggled my whole life of having, uh, you know, within the small bubble of Slave Lake, of having to fight under the shadow of a of a, a great father, right? Like, I am hesitant to lay blame at her feet for that and to limit, it's not, it's to not. limit what she, or, or to, to have that limiting belief of what she could achieve. Because of that, right? Like maybe she got that opportunity because of that. Maybe she would have had that opportunity. She got that opportunity way too soon. You listen to maybe. her now. I think she'd yes. be way more prepared. Right. And, and that's She got where, that opportunity way too soon. And, and Joe for, Rogan jumped on her for it. Yeah. And and, and made that very proof. And, and I think that, again, we kind of went a, a, a little bit circled around it, but that's making this point of if it's too early to be on Joe Rogan, it's going to come out, right? If she wasn't ready for it, it, it came out, right? 
And and in fairness to Michaela, and in fairness to Joe, mm-hmm. you're talking about something extremely extreme. We're gonna yeah. go all meat. Yeah. Like, if you've been doing that for 15 years, now you have some. But mm-hmm. she, at the time, she'd been doing it for like, I don't know. I this is where I'll butcher it. Mm-hmm. A year. Yeah. I have six no idea. months. No idea. But not like, not long. Not, yeah. long. not 15 years. We'll not say. 15 years. Okay. Yeah. And so like and. and she just got exposed for being a young woman yeah. and not fully... Listen, if Sean Newman goes on there three years ago, heck, maybe even right now, I might get exposed over mm-hmm. and over and over again. It just depends where the conversation goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have an extre- I don't have that of an extreme idea on something as yeah. Michaela Peterson does. On diet. On diet. Right. Okay, I see that. Okay, this is going to sound like we're taking a real left turn here, but I want to rewind a little bit to what we're talking about, about what I posed to you about the giving a shit being a symptom or the cause of the issue. Sure. Because I didn't really think about that. It just kind of came out of my mouth when I said it. Mm. But ever since then, it's been bouncing around my head. And the reason I think it's more of a symptom is because when you look back, civics used to be taught in school and you would learn about these things in politics and the system and that this kind of gone away. And you also see this moment, I think it was 1972, could be wrong on this, but there was a time around the 70s, early 70s, where America went off the gold standard. I know this is going to sound like, how am I going to tie all this together? And this might be completely unrelated. That happened, whenever that year was, that they went off the gold standard. You can watch all these metrics, I think it was 72, and you watch all these metrics after 72, like GDP 1971. Growth, 1971. 15. After 1971, you watch all these different metrics. And things just aren't going good. Like the the GDP growth, it's we had all this technology that was kind of hiding the stagnancy that was actually happening in our economy. And there's some way smarter people than me that have really said this good and I'm doing a terrible job of parroting it. But a big piece of that was, that was kind of the moment for me and for a lot of people where they gave up the pretense of, we're here for you, right? Because that move took power away from like these markets and this capitalism that we all stood for and gave them the power. We're going to decide when we print money, when we don't, we're not going to back it now. We make all the calls. And that facade of them actually caring kind of fell away. And I think since then it's been less and less of people giving a shit because it's become more and more clear that the system is rigged. And every year that goes by system is rigged and the give a shit. So the understanding of the system's rigged, who gives a fuck goes up and then the give a shit goes down, goes down, right? Or, yeah, how much shits people give goes yeah, down yeah. In, 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 in tandem with that. And you get to see that over the years, those two things separating out. And nobody gave a shit. And it probably hit peak not giving a shit around like the Obama times. And then when did people start giving a shit again? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. And what did Donald Trump, I mean, this is going to be a, t- a tough, you know, like not a question I'm going to ask him. It's leading, but. What was his main thing that he, if you take away all the crap of people saying of what is even less, like what he was campaigning on was exactly what I was saying, which is what kills me to my core. Because I feel like everyone, when I make this case of it all being rigged, people are like, oh, you kind of sound like Trump. It's like, ah, well, he just saw that that was the feeling bubbling under and he don't care what he was going to run. He just wanted to run on what was going to make him win. And he saw that that was there, played that card and kind of jumped He pointed out an obvious elephant in the room that everybody was talking about. Of that, both sides are corrupt. This is Absolutely. Exactly kind of what I'm saying. He just said it on a very big stage with a very big microphone and was willing to go to fight, go to battle with everybody from the right and the left. Like I said, as soon as someone comes up and and, and 
says, hey, the emperor has no clothes. This game's all rigged. It doesn't matter who you vote for. It's all going to be the same shit. They're funded by the same people. As soon as you say that, everybody comes after you. It's tough if you say, you know, oh, the Democrats are fucked. You're going to have one side come after you. You say, oh, the Republicans are fucked. You know, you're going to have one side come after you. You say, no, this whole thing is rigged and this all doesn't matter. This is all dog and pony show to give money to, you know, all these giant corporations, which the politicians all have their money invested in. So they make money on it too. And it's all completely rigged. That's when really people come after you and you got to see that. And that's when people started to give fuck. And then they absolutely then since then it's just been a war between those two factions right and you see there's probably still that has waned a little bit but there's way more give a shit out there just in general now since you know a couple years removed from trump but that's still the echoes of that that kind of brought that in we haven't seen that in a long time and that's kind of seeing i I always bring it back to to canada Right. Right. So bring it back to Canada. As much as I love to think that everything, like obviously the United States being one of the biggest superpowers in the world, mm-hmm. does it affect Canada? Absolutely. Big time. Yeah. Uh, nobody can discount that, but mm-hmm. we're still Canada. Yeah. I, I don't care what anybody says on that. Yeah. And everybody started paying attention when Justin Trudeau got into government. I, I, I don't, yeah. everyone I talk is like, oh, and then when he got reelected, everybody really mm-hmm. started paying attention. And to me, um, you go back to the the symptom, or you know, like mm-hmm. this chicken the egg. Yeah, it, it's it's for really really long time. It just hasn't mattered. Mm-hmm. And every old timer talks about it hasn't mattered since Pierre Trudeau. Yeah, like father, like son. Uh-huh. When he was in, it was bad. And yeah. Then when they and finally cared, and everyone cared. Yeah, and when he got out. I'm sure it just slowly over time got complacent, you know, just like everybody else takes does. Saskatchewan. Yeah. When they had the NDP government in, people cared, and uh, not everybody. I don't mm-hmm. mean to say that the entire population of Saskatchewan yeah. cared, but enough people with enough moving and shaking and that it was noticeably different. Yes, mm. and what happened? SAS party gets elected, and in Saskatchewan, I would probably argue that people slowly. You know, stop caring again because things yeah. are good. Things yeah. are that is the cycle it goes on, through, right? right? Yeah. And then things, you know, the, the the thing about COVID that is so wild, it's an entire fucking world. I interviewed a lady from um, San Diego, L.A. I think she was in Florida. That was Allison Royal, and then uh, that Chantel Baker from New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm waiting on another from UK, and you just start to understand how worldwide what we went through is mm-hmm. and you go everybody stop caring now there's going to be parts of the world that certainly care i'm mm-hmm. sure there are you know yeah like we, you think north koreans are are celebrating what their leader is doing no um and they're in a completely different spot not to make light of north koreans mm-hmm. like a jesus i think that's anyways it just the give a shit or the the symptom or ha- it's like to me it feels like a little bit of cycles mm-hmm. for sure i agree with you how the hell did we get it to where the entire world all at once cares cares yeah and that's a world stage event of covid and not to be the broken record that keeps bringing things back to this but that unity project that brett Weinstein was putting together was the first time that because that's what it was highlighting it was if it could have had i'm gonna even say like 40 percent more success before they threw the kibosh on it and, and got it shut down 
all it was doing, like it was not going to change the world, but what it was doing by getting the traction was highlighting these issues and getting people to, in order to care, you have to realize the problem. But I think that's the big thing. And by keeping everyone focused, if you're focused on this left, right problem, and it's a fight between them, you are so blinded to the real problem and the real thing that needs to be addressed that you can never address it. You can never, you can't rally the troops to go fight against it when nobody knows it's there. And there's trillions of dollars from both sides and it doesn't really matter. They're making it seem like they're fighting against each other, but all they're really fighting is to keep you invested in this fight and not realizing that it's actually the rich getting richer and the people losing rights and getting fucked and inflation, we're all losing money. And there's people that are making a ton of money off the backs of us. And they don't want people to wake up to that, which is a story as old as time. You want to go back, you know, even to the feudal times that was, you know, the, the, the kings of the kings of ancient Europe. Am I, right? am like, I naive to say, I feel like in Canada, we just were close to there. Maybe we were there already. Mm. But we're a young enough country. We're a small enough country. That And we're like a, a big enough country. Like we're so spread out anyways. That I, think, I feel like we're not where the states are. Like we're close. We're closing in. We're trying. It's almost trying to mimic what they're doing. It's trying to be you know, the blue versus the red, mm -hmm. but we're not there. Like, and okay. I don't even, I don't even put us in the realm of what's going on in the United States. Canada is a different beast altogether, but it has symptoms that are similar to the United States because we focus on the United States so bloody much. Right. I think you might be misunderstanding my point just a little bit. Let's mm. prevent you from seeing it a little bit clearer. And maybe I can say like, it's not, you're saying the conservatives whether it's o'toole pierre poliev whoever becomes the leader now mm -hmm. um versus trudeau no matter versus who jagmeet singh it yes, doesn't matter whoever yeah. wins the real change is never going to come where all of a sudden canada is exporting all its own oil and not taking things from saudi Arabia because there's too much of a machine behind there, there's no too many corporations who, that have that have say like there's so many people that have seats they're trying to paint it as a picture as other uh, people have seats at this table and they're picking. Well, then I'll, I'll try and rephrase my okay. thought. Okay. I think Canada's young enough, small enough that true change can still truly happen. I would when agree I, with that. When I look at the United mm -hmm. States, I go, there's okay. no way you're changing that right. monster. Yeah. And for sure. So I what would, happens to Brett Weinstein, I'm like, in the Unity Project, yeah. I'm like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying Canada won't try and stop that. Mm -hmm. But there's but not the forces at play. There's forces, but not the same magnitude of forces. I think I would. I, I could would be wrong on that. Yeah, I would really agree with you on that. But where, and maybe this is just my cynical side, which usually I'm the I'm the big optimist that think love's going to change everything, and you know everyone's going to be all kumbaya. But that was that was Ottawa, though. That that was, and I have so many questions that I want to ask you about that. Still, even after we really covered it pretty well on my podcast, you know, I still even after just more questions keep popping in my head. But I would agree that Canada is a much better position to see that change than America is by factors of magnitude. I don't even think that is even close to the same story. What I think is another wrinkle to this that we haven't discussed yet is, is just because that would be so dangerous for the forces. Like, yeah, the magnitude of forces that are at play in Canada versus America aren't the same, but that would be so dangerous for America. If Canada starts to wake up for that and starts to make these changes and really move forward, that would be very dangerous for the establishment in the U S and I think those U.S. forces would start to infiltrate and have something to say about it. Just like they do all the time with our environmental stuff. Like when you look at the anti-oil field, anti-pipeline, anti-oil sands 
and you follow the money for who sources it, I think something like upwards of 90% it comes from America. And there's something like camera, it's like $2 billion a day flows from Canada to America due to that. And because we can't sell our own oil, right? Like there's so many forces that you want to look at it as if they're totally separate. But if you have financial interests or even not even financial, but like what would the word be like power interest of like, if you have things at stake, it doesn't matter if it's happening in your backyard or someone else's backyard. If it affects you, you're going to have something to say about it. And it, and in today's day and age, you're never going to see it because they can put money towards it. They Let's can, go back to 1969. No. Uh, Damn. Imagine if it was, I would have nailed that. Um, 1982. Okay. Treasure Rights and Freedoms. 11 I years had, before I was born. I had Brian Peckford on. Gotcha. And they talked about, you know, I mean, obviously the Charter of Rights and Freedoms has been stomped upon in the last two years. Yeah. Shredded. But if you were, like I've heard different people write about um, our Charter of Rights and Freedoms being something that attracts them to Canada, right? Mm. And I go, I hear all the, like, I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. So in my head, I go, okay, so what was the last time government did something that surprised not only Canadians, maybe even the world? Mm. 1982 is a good year. Charter of Rights and Freedoms, when you listen to Brian Peffert talk, it came within inches of not happening, and then it does happen. Mm. And that was under Pierre Elliott, Elliott Trudeau even, right? And so you go, okay. Let's try and look at it somehow glass half full. Yeah, yes, yeah. politicians, government is a big machine. There's a lot of money there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of power there. But when was the last time they did something that surprised us? Jason Kenney stepping down surprised me. Like yeah. he, he won. He Whether he was, it doesn't matter if you think he, he cheated, whatever. It doesn't matter. He had 51%, mm-hmm. whether that's a fictitious number or not. I mean... To the public, he had 51%, and he steps down. That, to me... Surprised you. Surprised... Well, didn't it surprise you? I honestly... It'll happen, and I had no idea. Well, he wins with 51%. Yeah, he had, had the right... He had the right, whether people want to admit it or not, to just be like, well, I'm, yeah, I'm the I leader. Want right. I want it. I'm going to carry on, and mm-hmm. we're going to see how this falls mm-hmm. off. Instead, he doesn't. So it can't be all this crazy where they're sitting there, and they're like... It's me or the highway and Alberta is going to run through. Anyways. You, right. I'm, which, I'm, which I think looks at it from the individual perspective. So, and I love to go to so, the glass so you, half full. So you go back to 1982. Okay. You get Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So I go, change can happen. For sure. And change is inevitable. Change will happen. I'm just... Okay, maybe here's a way I can go at it that will paint my view of the glass half full look at it, which I think is what you're always trying to pull me towards because I get so cynical. As soon as it goes in the political realm, you're always trying to pull me to where it's this. And I do have it. What makes what fills me with excitement is that I before I found podcasts, I didn't know all this stuff. I didn't you know, and it sounds like I'm a little bit jaded with it, and I probably am, but like I was not aware of how corrupt the system was and how broken it was until I found podcasts and through Joe Rogan and 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 the Weinstein brothers and Lex Friedman and Dr. Peterson and all these people through different ways has really highlighted this picture for me. 
And all that lives on the internet. That is there for everybody to find. And everyone, everyone over time has the ability to go and go through the same process I have to find the same information I did and to realize that. And that is the first step. If enough people wake up to that, real change can happen and we'll be much more well-armed. And I feel like what gets me and why I always get kind of, me and you get stuck on opposite side of it is you're so raring to make the change and to make the change today. And what I'm saying is the change is going to happen when more people realize the change that needs to be made. But so many people, because they do such a good job and there's so much power in keeping people from realizing what the real change that needs to be made, which is complete overhaul to the system and complete accountability change that needs to be added into the system again, it will never change. And we're kind of banging our head against the wall of trying to, you know, we're, we're solving the wrong problem and what we need. And to yet become. you have the spit and chiclets, you have the live, take yeah. the sporting world. Things shake the, yeah. the the foundation, and they have to adjust. Yeah, politics is no different. Yeah, think of think of um, this is a this is a far fetched idea, but let's just say I get to host uh, a podcast style, and I, I call it right. that because right now it'd be it's a working title. But anyways, yeah. debate, mm-hmm. and let's say CTV does one, and let's say. CBC does one, and let's say Western Standard does one. Let's just say a whole bunch of people do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Sean's way gets mm-hmm. a million views. Let's yeah. just go something crazy. Yeah. And the other two only get 3,000 views. It will change huge the foundation moving forward. And I look at that and I go, now, I look at that and I go, that is positive. And yeah. I think when you take the the glass half full as I am just like naive to do all the time, I think that's how we move this thing. It, it, it isn't acknowledge, it isn't denying there isn't bad things going on. There are. But it's a way that maybe we can change things without destructing everything yeah. back to the, the ground level and mm-hmm. having to build it right back up. I agree with you completely, Sean. And I think that is, I think you're doing exactly what I just said with that. Of That is... A, adding accountability back into the system, which is the complete reason, like all all these other things are are symptoms of this issue of all accountability has been taken out. That is adding accountability back in. A, B, that would wake people up to the actual problems at hand and that would help pull, like just exactly that thing I just described of waking people up to the real issue we need to, to be pushing against. You're doing exactly that, right? Like I'm with you on that. I think that is, things we could be doing right now that will affect change. And it might not be the silver bullet that fixes everything, but it's, but there a, it's, a, silver st- bullet. it's a step in the right direction, right? And I love that. And I'm all on board for that. I just have a tough time getting, I think I am a little bit jaded, but I have a tough time. Like that shit excites the hell out of me, right? And that's right on my level. And I think that is awesome. And that's a step we should be doing right now. And I wish more people would be pushing towards that. And more people instead of, like, what frustrates me is to listen to people that have, Blame everything else in the world on the opposite tie. You know what I mean? Like throughout COVID, listening to every single one of my friends from university blaming everything on Jason Kenny. And this is all Jason Kenny's fault and all this stuff. And I'm like just sitting there rolling my eyes. And then every single one of my friends from Slave Lake and all my other friends that were university friends, all blaming everything on Trudeau. And it's like none of this helps anything. This doesn't move it forward. Your idea moves us forward, moves us closer to it. That is actually enacting change. But so many people are stuck in this idea where it's it's lazy thinking of just, oh, this is all the other team's fault. 
And that's exactly what they want you to think because that stops the change you're trying to make from happening. It stops accountability from being added in because accountability would be accountability for both sides. They don't want that, right? Right or left, you know, red or blue. Neither one of them want to count. Why would you, right? Just like Dana White, he doesn't want to count. You know, if he doesn't have to, why would he pay his fighters more? Like you're shooting yourself in the foot for your own personal interest. Yeah, it might be what's best for the country or what's best for your fighters, right? But that's not your, it's, you know, on paper, you know, with the big wink, wink, that's supposedly what you're best. That, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But we, we all know that's not what they're doing, but what you're doing or what your idea is and what you want to be doing that actually is. And that excites me. And if we can do more of that, that's, what's going to move us closer and move us to a point where we're actually enacting this change and seeing things actually move a step towards where the people actually have power again. And, and what we want is actually what happens, you know, and that excites the shit out of me. I'm not as half full as you think I might be. I just have no time for people that are trying to do things so the traditional way that they've completely missed the mark on what we're actually up against. Mm. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, it, it does. I uh, I like, I ran a different, a bunch of different like fundraisers, char- not charities, fundraisers, mm-hmm. um, events, that type of thing. Yeah. And uh, I got told this line when I was younger, and I used it a lot on people. Don't bring me problems, bring me solutions. Mm-hmm. You want to bitch about something, get yeah. involved. Yeah. And to me, I look at politics, I look at sports, I look at all these different things, mm-hmm. and that's all I can ever think is like, I have, listen, I sit on here a lot and rag on Trudeau is a perfect example because mm-hmm. he's said some of the most heinous things I've ever heard a yeah. leader say. Yeah. And he's rightfully earned my outrage. But overall, in Alberta, I look at it, and, you know, this is where I currently reside. And I go, here's an opportunity for yeah. something special to happen. Yeah. Whether it does or not isn't up to Sean. Mm-hmm. But the Sean opportunity can't, is there. But the opportunity is there mm-hmm. to at least try out an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, when I do the SMP Presents in Lloyd, I don't know if that moved the dial at all, but for me, it moved my dial, yeah. right? Because it was a proof concept mm-hmm. of like, wonder how this is going to go. Like, yeah. this could completely suck ass. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't that. People enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Like, my only downfall is, and for all the listeners who were wondering if it was going to come on the podcast, the recorder didn't record. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, right? We'll make sure that if a leadership debate happens, it's recorded. Yeah, yeah. Hell, we'll I, might, backups. <laughs> I might even live stream the son of a bitch. That way it can happen in real time for mm-hmm. people to watch along with and everything yeah. else. Because like to me, as a as a as a citizen, mm-hmm. you're right in a sense of like how do you engage people to wanna watch four people on a stage, five people on a stage vying for leadership. Yeah. You have to find a way to, A, let them know they matter, what they think matters. Mm -hmm. And you have to pull out of the leaders something more than what they've been doing because what they've been doing sucks. Mm -hmm. It's grandstanding and talking about other things. It just, it's like, this is fucking stupid. Pre-prepared speeches. Yeah. Like if I'm true to all, I just want to talk about something else. So it just gets people turn the channel off. Right. Because this is a waste of my time. Mm -hmm. Because business people, entrepreneurs, people who value their time, they see that and it's like this. Yeah. This sucks. Yeah. I don't want to be here. I almost wonder if that isn't like the goal. Music to Trudeau's ears. Maybe to all of their I, mm-hmm. I could be all of their ears mm-hmm. for all that matter. Yeah. I, I completely agree. 
again, like I want to do, taking another left turn here of just something I wanted to say earlier of uh, we talked about the uh, aspect of not getting enough time with a guest and how it uh, distracts you. And you're always thinking about you know time, time in that, and time. it takes you out, takes you out of that conversation. We had a little conversation before we started about having someone to run. Yeah, the the, the boards for you, and I and I. It's just, why I didn't do video tonight. Because I have to run everything right. back and forth, back and forth. Exactly. Right? It's another thing that takes my focus away. And that is the biggest thing. I've just recently got someone that comes in, not every time, but when he can, he comes in and he just, I sit down, he runs the mics, the video, everything, and I just concentrate. I can't even explain to you the difference, even if it's just so much as double checking every once in a while, getting out of I the told, conversation. I to, told you I interviewed the lady from True Movement that talks about like, taking maintenance on athletes like joints and yeah. whatever and taking the pain away. Does it improve them? Like, does it turn one kid into Connor McDavid overnight? Mm-hmm. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But does it improve them? Yes, it does. What you're talking about, does it improve you? Yes, it does. Because it allows your brain to focus on what actually matters in the entire thing. The interview, the guest, the person yeah. that's talking across from you. And just what I can say of, you know, I looked to you because you did it first the whole you know i mean did it first <laughs> it wasn't really your call but losing your youtube channel to see what it was like of i knew it would be in uh, a step in the right direction to get i couldn't believe how much it was in the exact same vein of having enough time so you're not thinking about it i think if you do get someone and maybe just maybe this just moves it up two slots and because you got a list you know down to your knees of, of to-dos for the podcast i know everybody that has a podcast has that list i would move getting someone in here to, to help run this shit for you while you're doing the conversation up a couple spots on it because I couldn't believe how much of an increase to your capacity to have a conversation is. And I'm feeling it now because coming in here as a guest and not having to worry about, I don't have to watch any Zoom recorders or check any cameras yeah. on. I just get to sit here and enjoy and think about what I'm going to say. It is hugely helpful, even if it's a, you know, and maybe I can put it out here into the universe right now. If there's any, you know, 16, 17 year old, 18 year old kids sitting around Lloyd that has a passion, maybe like listening to podcasts, maybe like tech, or maybe you want to go into radio broadcasting. You want something that looks good on your resume. Reach out to Sean. You just got to, he'll show you how to run the shit and you just got to work with this schedule and come in and watch it. Maybe it doesn't work for every time. You're still going to run the boards for your own for some, but maybe it works because it's awesome. Sean, I got to tell you, you need yourself a little young Jamie. Google some shit for you. Help you out. <laughs> I won't uh, disagree with what you just said. Yeah. I tell you what, here's where we're gonna here's where we're gonna finish. We're gonna finish on the final five brought to you by Crude Master. Shout out to Heath and Tracy McDonald. It's a it's a deep question or a light mm. question, whatever you prefer. Mm. Heath said, if you're gonna stand behind a cause that you think is right, then stand behind it absolutely. What's a th- what's one thing that Nick stands behind? There's so many things. There's so many things. Just because it's in the vein of uh, the conversation that we already had and already came up once. Uh, I listened to a podcast on child trafficking from uh, Sam Harris that changed my life. I've never been the same since. I, you know it's a problem, but you never know how fully bad understand. it is. And how, yeah, fully understand how it's happening everywhere and how me- how prevalent it is and how many kids are suffering with it and how there's these amazing organizations like Project uh, Underground Railroad, Project Freedom, underground there's there's a whole bunch and uh yeah ever since i read that you know i've struggled to find ways that i can help but just anytime it comes up i just oftentimes i just push people to go listen to that sam harris episode with can't remember the guy's name now but like to understand how big of an issue that is and and just to get involved with it is something everybody should do 
you know, it's, it's such a dark subject and it's so, even for myself, I don't even want to think about it and half the day, you know, just ignore it because you don't want to think about it, but it's pretty scary. And then, uh, I guess another one on the same vein is, uh, the innocence project where they find wrongfully, uh, accused people sitting on death row and, and help work their court cases and just highlighting the corruption within our justice system. I say our, but Canada, America, pretty much every justice system yeah. around the world. We're doing the best we can, but it is so flawed and there's so many people that are just absolutely under the gun and they do such a good job of highlighting that and protecting those people and offering them whatever solace or help they can. And I think that is just amazing and just the best people in the world and they need all the support they can get. And the biggest thing you can do to support for both those causes is just understand that that's an issue because I'd say 90% of the population doesn't even realize there's an issue there or doesn't realize the magnitude of those issues. When you get down the rabbit hole of child trafficking, uh-huh. um, some of the things going on, uh, the, the, the Uyghurs, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, the organs by demand. Sorry. I don't know why I couldn't spit out the word. Mm-hmm. You hear some of those issues. You go, COVID could be serious or not. That is beyond serious. Beyond. Like that should be shut down mm-hmm. immediately. Yeah. And you hear those issues and you go, man, the fact that we that isn't on the evening news yeah. every second night making people aware mm-hmm. is rather shocking. Yeah. Right? And, and you know why? Because it's the darkest shit that nobody wants to talk about. And it makes you, it ruins yeah, your whole Yeah, but, but what did Paul Brandt say? Something along the lines of, and, and, and I can't remember if I said it to him because I'd heard him say it before, but essentially... You know, darkness exists if we don't shine a light on it. Exactly. Once you shine a light on it, it doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's 100% right. Like, yeah. I don't want to talk about kids getting sold and oh, all yeah. the darkness that comes there. Yeah. But if we don't talk about it, it's allowed to happen. Exactly. And what's worse, mm-hmm. uh, hearing about it and making it uncomfortable mm-hmm. yeah. or allowing it to exist because, you 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 know, you don't want to go into those dark places. Well, it's like... Well, I think we can all agree. Let's talk about this shit. Yeah. Let's get it. Yeah. Let's get a, some kids help. Well, I mean, kids or women or you know anybody. Uh, it's growing on 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 boys now. Like mm-hmm. like it's it's some nasty. It's dark. Yeah, it's dark. Very. Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you, sir, for uh, for coming in. I know. No, no, thank you, Sean. Yeah. Well, I appreciate this. This is well, a lot of fun. I, I appreciate it. And I I guess I just got to say my little piece. You know, it it was awesome the first time when I just stumbled upon you that one of those algorithms put you in front of me and I reached out to you that day and to see someone that was doing the same thing as me trying to make this podcast thing a go in Alberta it meant the world to me and to you know build this relationship and the people that you've introduced me to like the Kenny Rutherfords of the world that just had an amazing uh, couple hours with that means the world to me and to come on your show finally and, and and be a guest feels so cool and to you know sit in this studio that I've seen on social media for Two and a half years probably now, just, you know. Well, this studio has only been here for a year now. Okay, well, seeing you <laughs> seeing you with the, the jerseys and stuff and the logo, it just, it, it feels really cool and I'm, and it means a lot to me and, I, and I'm very thankful that you'd have me on. It's yeah, awesome. well, no. Well, we'll, well, I'm sure we will do it again. Yeah, uh, the people will be future. clamoring for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again. Oh, thanks, Rob.